1: This is the Mike Rutherford Show on the Big X.
0: Sportos, motor hits, geek bloods, waste oids, dweebies, they all adore him. They think he's a righteous dude.
1: All right, all right, all right, all right. Welcome in, everybody. It's the Friday edition of the Mike Rutherford Show, Friday, July 8th. It is a rainy day outside, but. The classic old person saying, and you know you've reached a certain age when you have to say this. We really needed this rain. I feel like there are, there are like four stages of life. It's uh, you know, you, you're born, you're a baby. There's adolescence. There's the, I guess, young adulthood. There's the stage of your life where you say, "We really needed this rain," and then you die. Like that. That's pretty much it. Now I'm at that stage. That's 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 how it goes. Uh, we had Sean Moth in the studio yesterday. We had so much fun that we're bringing him back again today. Sean,
0: how are you? Thanks so much for coming back. You know, I woke up this morning. I thought to myself. I don't know if we talked about this yesterday, but I just remembered, and I need to just talk about it, that the Colorado Avalanche won the Stanley Cup, so I just (laughs) had to get that out of my system. You know, there's one stage you missed after the rain stages. Gosh, I really enjoyed that fresca, which I think we talked about (laughs) last time I was here. But yeah, it's funny. I I looked outside, I'm looking at my lawn thinking, oh, it's going to need to be mowed much sooner than it was before, so... It was it was much needed. I yeah. talked
1: about this before, too, because there's, there's supposed to be kind of semi-bad storms tonight. And I used to love a good storm growing oh. up. And now, with two young children, my fear of the electricity going out, one, is at an all-time high. Yeah. What, what are we going to do? Like, like, the kids are going to wake up. It's going to be just constant screaming. You can't live like that. And then, yeah. two, there's this gigantic tree in the house behind us. And we live in an area where we have seen, like, three huge trees in the eight years that we've lived here. Uprooted and like falling over. And if it comes over, it's like right on, you know, where I sleep and Virginia sleeps and where, where John's is currently now sleeping. We moved him down to the, like the old nursery. And, you know, you, like dad panic just sets in. Like yeah. you just like start, like, anytime yeah. it rains and it gets a little bit windy, I'm like, oh, like I've got the classic just dad anxiety looking out the window constantly. And it's just not fun anymore. So I'm, I'm gearing up for that tonight.
0: Yeah. I there, There's a, a borderline where I no longer get excited. And that's when the, the, the siren goes because. My wife, who was born in Iowa and then grew up oh. in Orange County, California, yeah, she and her sister went back to visit Grandpa and Grandma by themselves for the first time when she was like 12 years old, and they had to go in the basement. And when they came upstairs, Grandpa and Grandma's house was gone. Her parents were still in California. You know, there weren't cell phones. There weren't any sort of communications in the mid-'70s, so it was just chaos and so Gosh. she gets a little triggered with very good reason anytime that it gets to the, the tornado status but i love a good thunderstorm and growing up in colorado uh you know that the afternoon thunderstorms roll in pretty much every afternoon during the summer at yeah. some point and usually it drops the temperature about 15 20 degrees it's brilliant big rumble of th- downpour quick gone no humidity dries up first thunderstorm i get in louisville i'm like oh this is awesome yeah it passes i open the door to go outside and i'm like <laughs> 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 what, what happened it's warmer
1: and it's more humid But well, uh, the last time we were in colorado it's funny you say that like we we say mary's best friend lives in fort collins now and so we spent a few no. days with her, and she... God's country. She married well. Like, this person is... Her husband's the coolest guy a lot, but he's a doctor. They have a very large house with a very large amount of land. And so after going out that night, we went back to her house, had some drinks, and like it was a awesome storm going on in the background you can see forever from where their oh, house yeah. is and we sat on the like, back porch and watched the heat lightning in the distance and like the you know the, the not so heat lightning with the big bolts just come down for what felt like an hour and a half and it was just it was, it was so pleasant it felt great out there it was nothing like a storm that you witness around here yeah. it, was, it was lovely
0: well and i noticed too that the, the 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 sound of thunder is really different geographically i think a lot of it has to do with the mountains and 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 that but when we used to visit her family in Iowa and we'd be in the basement getting ready to go to bed and the th- thunderstorms would roll in like the thunder just the, it, it had a more harsh feel to it whereas in Colorado it's just kind of a rolling rumble like it it's just you know it, yeah. it, it, it's it's very odd how how things differ but yeah i i love a good thunderstorm but i can sympathize with you that's uh the tornado that hit down toward Glen Mary was literally half a mile north of our house oh. And I was in Tallahassee with the baseball team <laughs> and my wife and son have the three cats somehow corralled into the closet, uh, you know, under the stairs because we don't have a basement. And yeah, it's, it's not ideal, but hopefully you, you get through that. Okay. And if the tree does fall, it just finds a really good path. That's the hope. <laughs> well done. <laughs> uh, if you want to text
1: into the show today at any time between now and when we'll check out for the week. Hit us up on the Thornton's text line at 502-414-1450. And a reminder If you haven't downloaded the refreshing rewards app from Thorntons, first of all, what the hell are you doing? It's going to save you money at the pump every time you need to fuel up and who, like? What time have you ever needed to save more at the pump than right now? But if you need more reason, more of a nudge, how about this? It's the Summer Cash Bash event going on at Thornton's all summer long, and every week they're giving away ten grand to a lucky Refreshing Rewards member. And at the end of the summer, they're going to give away a grand prize of a 2022 Chevy Tahoe. Could not be easier to, to enter. Sean Moss shows me his Thornton's Refreshing Rewards app right there. He's a, he's a member. He's entered. He may win ten grand. Who knows? Uh, but all you have to do, pull up the app. Click on the Summer Cash Bash icon to enter, and you're good. It's all over. You're done. You're you're in. And if you want to become a Refreshing Rewards member, it could not be any easier to get signed up. Just text Rewards all one word to eight zero three one three, and you're enrolled. You're good to go. You may win ten grand. Uh, The first text we saw today was was Mike at the start of every show, and it was the of course the the Wooderson. All right, all right, all right. How do people feel about the all right, all right? Like I I it became a thing. I never really intended it to become a thing. I basically just started doing it to, like, let Trevor know to turn down the music because I'm ready to start talking. And I, I didn't want to just be like, welcome in, like, and just droned out <laughs> by the music. So I would say, all right, and, like, just kind of let it known, And then it just became a thing. I don't know if it's cool. I don't know if it works. I don't know if, if people just hate it. Let me know uh, on the Thornton Sax line. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll figure it
0: out. I appreciate the change in cadence. It's not. All, it's not the McConaughey. It's not the same. No, it's it's different it's, every day depending it, on my mood. It's a barometer. It, it and is. That's what I appreciate. It sets the tone. First three words out of your mouth, you, you get, you're like, okay, Mike's in a good mood. Okay, Mike. Mike's had a rough morning. I, well, I, like I started it. changing it up too because Trevor would like count how many I would do. He like he'll put his hand
1: up, and when if I do like the first, all right, like he'll do one, two, and then I, it just inspires me to do more. Like, and because I wanted to just be like, all right, let's start the show, and then it became Trevor kind of pushing me to to do more. But I don't know if people like it or hate it. I haven't gotten much feedback there, but I, it was not intended to be a McConaughey thing. It just so happened to to work out that way. We've got, obviously, the conference realignment alignment stuff is continuing to go. It's still a topic du jour. It feels like we've been talking about this for three months, when in reality it was just a week. The one-week anniversary was Thursday. Um, it's just because there's not a whole lot else going on, and it's rare for one topic to define you know every radio show in college sports markets for an extended period of time, and that's exactly uh, what's been going on. This was my big thought driving in today, actually, because yesterday two things happened. One, we had the Swim Swam report, which has now been kind of widely torn down. People are like, this is not actually happening. But it got us doing one thing in particular that caught my eye. We were debating the merits of Swim Swam, right? Like, I I start the show, I preface the comments on the article, on the report, by saying, like, this is the biggest college swimming publication. They are a respected publication. They've got 112,000 followers. They send me emails about what Louisville swimmers are doing all the time. They get stories right. Like, this is not just some... You know, again, like realignment fan twenty four Twitter account that popped up two months ago, making up stuff to get followers. The second thing, after the show ended, I went home and I saw the Florida State site that works under the Sports Illustrated umbrella, but like the equivalent of our friend Matt McGavick, uh, Louisville Report. It's their Knowles Game Day or whatever it is, and they put out the story that just says Florida State, you know, sources Florida State looking at potential jump to a new conference and it's like well yeah but <laughs> but it's a clicks bonanza and it got me thinking yeah. today i kind of feel like i need to get in the conference realignment scoops game right oh it's the easiest game to get into there's there are zero repercussions for being wrong right yeah. because it's an ever-changing landscape
0: source saint peter's headed to the pac-12
1: exactly something like that and i kind of want to be the guy i, I want to be you know Los Angeles radio, they're debating. They're like, you know, who's this Mike Rutherford guy? Well, he's got a decent amount of followers on Twitter. He's got a blue check. I don't see anything. You know, just I I want my credentials being debated on Hawaiian sports radio, just all over the place. (laughs) I want clicks bonanza for Card Chronicle, Uh, you know, and so to make this happen, I'm going to have to just make something up entirely. And this has never been my MO. I don't just make stuff up. I don't I typically don't even report stuff if I'm 95 percent sure that it's going to happen. I don't, I'm not a reporter. I, I like to just sort of walk that, that thin line between reporter and just guy who makes C-minus jokes on Twitter. It's fun to do. But if I wanted to get into this, maybe it's time. Maybe I'm at that, like, you know, the age for coaches to start speaking their mind and not really caring about what, what they say is is like 65. Maybe for bloggers, it's 37 because you're a
0: million years old in Internet years. It's the day you think that we really need that rain.
1: It, it's the, Exactly. <laughs> like, now I can just make stuff up. And so here's what I'm – still workshopping, but here's what I would go with if I was going to make this happen. Sources say Louisville focused on potentially joining the Big East for basketball only and going independent in sports that the Big East does not have. Sources also say Kenny Payne is the driving force behind this move. He's got the New York mm. ties. He was with the Knicks. It's believable there. It's a little added punch at the end just to make— it, it's, it's sexy because then— i don't know maybe the sec comes calling a little bit more maybe they start thinking about us more if we're going to go to the big east maybe the big ten i'm helping louisville and i'm getting attention for myself that's i think that's what i would do i think that's where i would go with if i wanted to get in the
0: scoops game now i guess the question that pops into my mind is while kenny Payne is definitely clickworthy, at the same time do you do you create a billionaire donor that doesn't exist Hmm. as a source behind the financial driving force I'm just spitballing here you know I, that's for the people to debate yeah
1: it's like when you leave an open-ended ending to a movie because yeah. you're, you're you're not a good enough writer to actually come up with a like a solid ending and people are debating it for decades and decades and you're like you know I'll never tell like you have like that's the intended purpose yeah you leave it open-ended for a, like a specific reason I think half the time those writers don't even have a like they don't even know like the inception writers I don't even think they know like is it going to stop spinning is it going to spinning forever I don't think they knew. I think they left it intentionally open ended just so people would debate it forever. That's what I'm doing here. The layers, it's an onion. And you, right. it's up to everybody else to unravel it. And it's going nowhere, which is the best part. But I get it all comes back to me, which is the second
0: best part. I that's what I'm doing. Conversary alignment. Madness. I'm you know, it's funny you mentioned that about swim swim because I was thinking what what do they have to lose if they do put out something Nothing. that they just heard as a rumor and and when you said swim swam yesterday, you know, mentioned Giselle Cahida, former U of L swimmer, as their director of social media. Mm-hmm. It, it it did make me chuckle because I I tried to picture it in my in my head the roundtable meeting in this office space <laughs> of coming up with the name Swim slam. You know, all right, we need to name our company. What are we thinking? You know, uh, world swimming today. No, 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 do you know, and, and who came up with Swim Swam, and at what point did everybody just click and say, that's it? It's brilliant. That's it.
1: Brilliant. Uh, I mean, it's fun to say. You don't forget it. Even people who, like Swim Swam now is right there in conference realignment lore. They've carved a place for themselves forever. When people think about the 2022 conference realignment shakeup and the madness that took place and de- the debating of rumors and the spreading of sources, like Swim Swam is in that story. Yeah. And people are going to remember, and I love that Swim Swam... Like, they drop this bomb in the middle of their coverage and don't skip a beat. Like, they've, they've posted 17,000 stories since the sources, and they've all been very niche, very just esoteric stories about swimming that you would not care about unless you are a right State women's swim fan. And
0: Never rate her down. It's,
1: it's, it's who they are. It's what they do. Love the Nutter Center. Um, it's props to them. They've, they've done a great job. And it's why I also believe that this is not like a – a source that was just a story that was just like thrown out there. Yeah, they clearly heard something from oh, somebody they believe legs. was legitimate. Like they, like I, I don't think the site would just do that no. just just to generate no. attention. They don't need that. It's whatever. It, it,
0: it reminds me of Cal Naughton defending Shake and Bake because you've got you've got all three tenses. <laughs> <laughs> you've got, you've got all three tenses in their name. Swim, swam. I'm gonna swim. I swam. I swim. It's <sighs> good sin. They have now just posted. I, I
1: just actually checked their account now for the first time in, in a while. They 27 minutes ago they did post a what is the ACC's grant of rights and why does it matter which is a very clickbaity like trying like SEO grab because people are are interested in in what this grant of rights exactly is how easily can it be broken why was it put into place why the hell does it last until 2036 the language seems a little bit iffy but that once again is right there in the middle of international sports arbitrator Alexander Danilovich arrested by Belarusian police. And NC State women returning three NCAA scores as their fifth years for the upcoming season. Like, that's, you know, props to Swim Swam. Well,
0: let me ask you this. Sure. And you maybe talked about this, so it's unfair, and if if you have, disregard. But did did you speak at all to Packer and Durham? No. Dissolving? And oh, what, no, 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 about and, them dissolving, and yes. And what significance that may hold, if any, in the big picture of what does this mean for the ACC Network slash... A change moving forward. That's well they're being bigger. Re-
1: they're being replaced by Trevor Kelsey and Friends. Is that's the the leading candidate, is is what's that. Will there be Muppets? <laughs> <laughs> by the way, Trevor texted me today and was like, Moth back to back days. He's like, he's like, You son of a he's like, this is like when you were sick in school for back to back days and you found out that the two days you missed were Pizza Day and Movie Day. Oh, please. I'm <laughs> I'm nowhere
0: near that caliber. I am flattered, but next I'm coming in. Yeah, I'll, I'm coming in sometime. TK, we're back at that.
1: Yeah, Packer and Durham went off the air exactly a week ago today, and you know that was the first time we should have needed that the ACC was in trouble, right? If Packer and Durham were going off the air, because they made the announcement like that Tuesday, two days later we find out that USC and UCLA are going to the Big Ten – Pack and Durham always know. Well, and I'm not. Always I'm not know. saying
0: they're linked, but in the same light, I'm. I'm wondering, does this indicate a philosophical change? Does this indicate that uh, that that there's a new direction? You know, they they, they transition that into the takeover. You know, the 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 channel takeover by each university, which they've done in the past, but it it just makes you wonder if this fall, as whatever ACC network and ACC network extra, ACC network ESPN plus. If, the, if if there's going to be more to this, if there's going to be swinging changes or if this just happened to be uh, they were in contact renegotiations, they were kind of tired of doing it. I, I don't know. I don't know. I I, I know Wes a little bit. I, I didn't reach out to him. I never met Mr. Packer, but uh, uh, I I found it interesting yesterday. We, we talked about James Caan. Brian Piccolo was uh, Packer's godfather. Really? Wake Forest grad, I do believe. I believe you're correct. So – Anyway, tangent. Sorry. No, but, no, no, you're but, good. But I just wonder. It's an
1: interesting point. Was is Packer and Durham going off the air? The Franz Ferdinand moment for the ACC. Is the? This... Oh, it's a dynamite reference. <laughs> this, right this, there. Is the, Is this the shot that got wow. everything going when they announced that their last show was going to be are Friday? Are in North Austria. First. Yeah, it's... Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it's.
0: I mean, I I joke, but in the same light, I I really do wonder. I'm. I, I Who knows? Who we miss, knows? We miss you every day. So in swim P and D. So good. Swim,
1: Swim and PND. Uh, as far as other things that have come up today in the latest helping of conference online, there has the only, the biggest thing to me is people in the know and who exactly in the know is in the know. We don't know. Um, We're a line. People are pushing back against the Dennis Dodd report from earlier this week. That was saying the big 12 is being proactive. The big 12 is reaching out to pack 12 schools. They're focused on four. They're talking to six. They want to expand. They want to, to grab a firm grasp on being that number three conference behind the big 10 and the sec. That's that's where their intention is. And now you've got other like very respected writers, very respected journalists coming out and saying, we don't think there's any truth to that. We, like we don't think the Pac 12, the big 12 has been focused on four schools, which if it's true makes what the ACC has been doing or not doing make a little bit more sense because the, the, the outcry from ACC fans has been, you know, we're stalling, we're pausing, we're getting left behind. The Big 12 is going to add the, the best of the rest on the left coast. We're going to have this, if we have a loose partnership with a four-team Pac-12, what does that really do for us? Um And we're if we get our four or five biggest brands picked off, we're left with the table scraps now. And we're clearly like the fourth best conference. And is it even the ACC anymore? If the Big 12 is, is holding Pat, if they're staying put and saying, we're going to wait and see how some things shake out. We're, we're open to some sort of hybrid merger with the PAC 12 and the ACC that, you know, we could work out some type of Alliance part two this time with something in writing. Maybe. Um, I think it makes what the ACC is doing a little bit more understanding. It certainly seems like the ACC, if they're not going to be able to keep Florida state, Clemson, Carolina, Virginia, who else, whoever else might get picked off. They've got two options. Merger, or expansion you can try to reach out to some of the the pac-12 schools you can try to take some of the big 12 schools if you want to just you know, sever all ties with the alliance and build like your own 16 18 team third tier tertiary super conference or you can try to, to work with the pac 12 you you can try to work with the big 12 you, you can try to have some sort of deal in place exactly how that would work who the hell knows i mean you're, you're asking I mean, you'd ask a commissioner to get bought out. You'd ask all of their employees to probably lose their jobs. That would be, I think, untenable uh, to, to a certain extent. But it's on the table. If you're trying to at least, if if you're in survival mode, which I think all three of these conferences are right now, you have to explore that option. And I, I've i got no idea where the ACC goes from there. It's It feels like a it's not an enviable spot, but they at least have options for the time being.
0: So as I speak... Spoke yesterday, I'd, I'd break everything down as much as I can in life at every facet with common sense. And, and yesterday, driving home from the show and, and thinking today, I said to myself, OK, here's the reality. The SEC's fine. Mm-hmm. The Big Ten's fine. The ACC has a question mark. The Big 12 has a little bigger question mark. And the Pac-12 has an enormous question mark. So the athletic world as we know it, when USC and UCLA, if this does come to fruition, join the Big Ten as they're intending to... And Texas and Oklahoma had moved on to the SEC, and the four teams come into the Big 12 fold. What's the reality that those three leagues all exist? And so then I'm thinking, okay, we're going to have to look at who's available in terms of non power fives to expand. And obviously, Houston, Boise State, uh, UCF taken off the board, uh, and Cincinnati, you know, you've still got a BYU, you've still got campus size enrollment and potential funding that I think could survive in a, you know, like a USF, uh, maybe a San Diego state. I, I don't know. Yeah. I'd, I'd love to think my alma mater could be involved, but then you're getting into Toledo's and app states and sure. Western Kentucky, no offense toppers. I don't know if you could put a number on how many schools could legitimately make the jump into the power five right now that aren't power five are going to be soon and be competitive and if there are enough of those schools to sustain conferences that the sec is going to number what we're at 16 once they get everybody added the acc sitting at 14 slash 15 the big 10 which this gets more confusing because they're stupid (laughs) names because the big 10 has 12 and the big 12 has 10 but the big 10 is going to now have Fourteen teams. I believe they're now at sixteen, or 16. with USC. And UCLA. Okay, sixteen. Okay, 16, so they're trying 15. to make the move to twenty-two. The Big Twelve would be sitting at <sighs> with the four they're adding and the two they're losing. I, they're at twelve. They, are they back to twelve? Now? I think they I think are actually right. the Big Twelve. And the Pac-12 now is at ten. The Pac-12 is the it's Pac-10. back to the back ten. <laughs> can can a ten-team league survive? I don't think they can without UCLA and USC. So, so at what point is the hybridization of Conferences inevitable, and unfortunately for Louisville fans and ACC fans, to me the most logical step is that the remaining Big 12 and remaining Pac-12 teams merge. Yeah, Because geography obviously doesn't matter anymore because you've got Los Angeles and New Jersey playing in the same conference or Los Angeles and D.C., so there's no roadblocks there anymore. So, I mean, that has to be the next logical step, at which point does that mean that the ACC would need to add – Two, three more schools to become viable, and then therefore there are four power conferences. Is that a reality? Yeah. I,
1: the The problem is for the ACC if they are looking to take on more schools. If that winds up being what they do, they're already the ACC is already perceived as a basketball conference, and we are we have learned firsthand if we didn't already know it, over the last ten years that basketball does not drive any part of the ship. No is a football world, and you're going to lose, if you're losing schools, you're going to lose probably your biggest football brands. Like The the first names that everybody mentions are Clemson, Florida State, Miami. You're left behind with a a number of brands that are more known for basketball than they are for football. I mean, Duke's the the biggest shining example, but BC, I'd say, at this point, probably still known more for basketball than football. Syracuse certainly is. Uh, Louisville is in that boat as well. The schools that you could potentially pick off are all kind of In that same vein, like Cincinnati Cincinnati is, I know they just played in the playoff, still Mm. probably more known for basketball than football. Houston has been wildly successful in basketball recently and and had a couple of fleeting moments in in football. Uh, The the Pac-12 schools that would be available, assuming that Washington and Oregon will eventually be off the table, you'd have, I mean, Arizona, if they were still out there, that's a basketball school. Arizona State is more of a basketball school than it is a football school. Colorado would be the exception. They're more of a football school, but that hasn't been really good in football for all that long. Um, I mean, you can make the case that with Ted Boyle, there they've been better at basketball the last five to ten years than they than they have been at football. I think they played in the Pac-12 championship one time, but really, you know, Oklahoma State is kind of they're about level at both, maybe slightly football. They certainly care more about football lately, definitely. But you would be adding on. uh, Like you would not have that whopper. Big-time football brand to add. It's just not out there anymore unless you were able to get Oregon or Washington, which I don't think you would be able to. So that's – like you could make a pretty good conference. You can make a hell of a basketball conference with who who else is out there. Kansas would still be out there. You could add them. But football, the best you can hope for is that if you have a team run the table, they at least have a shot at at making the playoff. And that's not – like an overly attractive outlook for any of the, the programs right now that are currently in better situations whether they're in the acc the pac-12 or the big 12.
0: when when the year of the cardinal was happening one of the the nerd things i did is i would keep spreadsheets on my computer and one of them that i would calculate is how many schools have been to women's final four men's final four college world series bcs bowl game because we did it all in the same year and so i, I kept the spreadsheet these are the programs that have done it these are three out of four these are two out of four whatever Another spreadsheet I kept was the 10 team sports that Louisville sponsors: men's and women's soccer, field hockey, volleyball, football, men's and women's basketball, baseball, softball, and lacrosse. Jeez. Off top of that. Uh, <laughs> how many of those advanced to the NCAA postseason? And I did it because one year Louisville, I think, sent eight. And so we did a little like. Dennis Leary like you know here are the numbers let's look at this <laughs> there are 291 division one pro- whatever we did a video that was animated that just talked about how Louisville was alone at, at the, the mountaintop and I did that every year and then as we got into some of the you know the the the, the scandals and football wasn't good I, I quit doing it and obviously since I'm not there full-time anymore I don't do it anymore but with that being said you mentioned how Virginia and North Carolina are always kind of elite when it comes to olympic championships nationally speaking and it's interesting because there are two other schools that were always in the mix those two were always in the mix the two other schools nationally that were always in the mix with louisville were wisconsin who i don't think people think about as an elite athletic program but top to bottom very good they're not bad especially if you factor in men's women's hockey and some of those other sports volleyball. which they're dominant at and volleyball winning a national title but stanford And how Stanford continues to be left out in the cold in any of these discussions is really puzzling to me because, I mean, they have like 58 sponsored Division I sports. They're always at the top of the Director's Cup or or right there. And, and, And I've always felt the Director's Cup should be weighed. You know, if there are 298 baseball teams and you go to the College World Series, you should be awarded a percentage point. Case we in point, finished eight out of blah, blah, blah. Instead of winning the national title in rifle or bowling, exactly. no, no disrespect, that's no, fantastic. Disrespecting, But when there's 21 teams, the, the number of points you should get should be commensurate with how many teams you beat to achieve that.
1: It's absurd. I'm sick of Kentucky fans using this to as bragging stuff, and I know it's a rivalry thing. But they get as many points for winning the rifle national title, which they do every year, because I don't know who else competes in rifle. I, I mentioned that before. I would hope Army would. Well, we said that, and I was like, <laughs> and if they're losing to Kentucky every year, it doesn't make me very confident. <laughs> I'm not very <laughs> comforted by what's happening here, but they win it every year, and they get the exact same amount of points for the director's cup or the Steers cup or whatever as you know Louisville got for winning men's basketball title. Yeah. Or they got, more, they got more than the volleyball team.
0: It's like, it, you know, yeah. but it's, it, it's a flaw in the system. But the point being that that Stanford is an elite athletic program, and it's not like they're a they're a just a walkover in football. I mean, they've had a good football program. They've 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 lost quite a few coaches over the years, but. They compete at a very high level in women's basketball and volleyball, and and I think the men's basketball team is kind of wanting the Todd Lichty days of glory to come back. Oh, yeah. But but it, it it's intriguing to me because if you look at the Pac-12 from just a success standpoint, USC's not up there right now. They are their their most successful sport, water polo. I mean, we're talking about like second-tier Olympic sports like water polo that are winning national titles. Now, UCLA continues to be dominant. But with that being said, the two sports everybody talks about, football and men's basketball, obviously Mick had a great run two years ago, and I think the future definitely continues to be on the upswing for them. But it's not like UCLA and USC have been just winning national titles left and right in the big sports. And so it's intriguing to me because – logic says then okay, there must be a media market slash alumni tag to that, but why wouldn't you add Stanford? And maybe there was no desire to break them up. Maybe Stanford's just being really quiet and Stanford and Cal are going to be added to the Big Ten here very shortly. But going back to the original argument, I just I can't envision a situation where the Big Twelve and the Pac Twelve don't gather everybody in the room together and say, Hey, let's just try this because I don't think they have any choice.
1: It's it goes back to one of the things we were talking about yesterday about the frustration that Louisville, had, Louisville fans had back in 2012 and 2013 when you know the program was in the midst of the year of the Cardinal and having the success in the, in the years immediately before and following the year of the Cardinal. And we were still talked about as this, you know, we're behind, we're competing with UCF for spots and conferences. And it makes me think about if you're Oregon right now and you're looking at USC and UCLA and everybody's saying it's, you know, clearly the two teams that you would take if you're looking for... Bra- We've been markedly better than both in football for a long, long time now, something that does not seem like it's going to change. Money, we've got the head of freaking Nike funding our program and doing everything he can to make us like the Nike program. Basketball, we've been to a Final Four the last couple of years. We've been pretty damn good. Dana Allman's one of the best coaches in the country. We've been very good every single year. We've been right there above UCLA and USC for the last 10 to 15 years again. Every other sport, we're right there with them. Like. At some point, shouldn't winning games matter? Shouldn't it be more just about what you have done recently, what you're capable of doing in the immediate future, than who you were back in 1960? Cool, O.J. Simpson played for you. Like that's not not that cool anymore. Yeah. Cool, the Rose Bowl was a it is a fantastic bowl yeah. game. Awesome, you have it half full on most Saturdays. Like it, this should not be. These things should not be weighed, and yet they are. And it's part of the frustration I think that Louisville fans have right now when you're looking at. Potentially being left out in the cold again when it felt like you had a stable home for a while, and you're looking at the schools that are getting picked over you or the schools that people are saying are, are right there on a level playing field. You're like, well, we win way more than they do. We, we've been way more than they do. We produce more money than they do. The Swim Swim article put it out there. Louisville's the second highest revenue producer in the ACC. And that's despite being a "quote unquote" basketball school. Yeah. You can say football attendance hasn't been great. The team hasn't been winning enough. We still make more money as an athletic program than just about every other team in this conference. And we are in the middle of a big city. I always uh, Jeff me for saying without a pro sports team, we have three pro sports teams technically. Yes, but without a pro sports team in one of the four major American sports, and like, like you see the TV numbers, you see the when. Things haven't been, you know, when, when things have been normal, quote unquote normal, you see the attendance numbers. You see the way that women's basketball is supported here. You see the way that Jim Patterson Stadium looks when you have regionals and super regionals here. I guess we're so inside like the bubble here. You just want to pull somebody in with you and just say, like, look at this. Yeah. Like, like, look at this Don't compare us to Maryland. Yeah. Don't, don't compare us to Central Florida. Don't compare us to BYU. There's a lot going on here. There's a lot to like. And it's frustrating that apparently. People outside of Louisville can't see that.
0: Well, and maybe what it needs to be, and maybe what maybe what's behind the the conference expansion and and interchange is going to a a generally ambiguous college sports fan and giving them the okay. You can see any of these five football teams come to your alma mater and play a game. Who do you want to see? And I, I did this. Just the thought just occurred to me because I grew up a USC fan because I remember watching uh you know uh, ricky bell and charlie white and marcus allen and the great tailbacks they had back you in love the O.K. day i did he was my favorite i'm not gonna lie he was my favorite football player Still do. Up. oh no what a disaster <laughs> don't like uh P- oh, awful but to that point if if I, it was announced that usc and colorado state were playing i'd be beside myself because i want to see i want to see the trojans play that was sure. part of the allure of the acc Oh, Florida State, Clemson. Miami, these schools are coming here on a regular basis. This is great, and it, it's part of the allure of a non-conference football schedule. Like, I, I can't tell you how many times I've heard people brag about Texas and Penn State and coming to Old Cardinal yeah, Stadium. I mean, it's a big th- deal. They are a brand. So, who who do you want to see? Is there any point that you want to see Louisville come to play a non-conference game at at uh, Utah? You know, at uh, Utah State. You know, where where does where does Louisville rank in the the tier list? And that goes back to the Tom Jurch point about Lamar Jackson. Well, if Lamar's the quarterback, then he, heck yeah. Sure. But if he's not, what what's the brand there? Now, if the question's asked about basketball, okay, Utah State's got an opportunity to have a home and home with Cincinnati or Louisville in men's basketball. I mean, to me, I think even though I'm inside it, it's kind of a no brainer yeah. because it's a better brand when it comes to basketball. And so maybe it just boils down to the football brand and who you're more excited about and who moves the needle more. And, you know, I will say this. Stanford doesn't move any needles. They're they're about as boring as they get in athletics, despite their success. But as you look at the Pac-12, I mean, Washington? Like, I, I couldn't name five football players that came through Washington in the last 10 years.
1: Yeah, I mean— They've had success. They have a, uh, a strong fan base, and they've, you know, they, they shared what the 1990 national yeah, title, 91, uh, yeah. whatever it was. Um, so it's not like they haven't been without success, but it's certainly not a like, like you said, if we were welcoming a program into Cardinal Stadium, hey, I'll give you anybody
0: in the Pac 12 as it exists right this moment. USA. Like, like no that, that's who you want to see play. Like, you, you want to see that helmet in your, your sec, stadium. Your second choice is probably the Bruins. Probably. Or Oregon, I think I'd probably go
1: Oregon. Yeah, but that's more of a new thing. And it's more because UCLA has had a sustained period of a lack of success. The USC for people like me, the the, the Reggie Bush, the Matt Leinart years, where they were as exciting a program as I've ever seen, as exciting a team as I've ever seen, are still recent enough that it carries over to the you know the decades of success beforehand, and they still they, they remain nationally relevant to me. UCLA yeah. hasn't done a whole lot in my lifetime football wise. Um, it, it's a great point because I I think that. And it sucks because the reason why Louisville has been left out of the cold in conference re-alignment before and might get left out in the cold again in conference re-alignment moving forward is because they were a nothing football program until the early 90s and weren't a sustained anything football program until the early 2000s. And it feels weird that you could do so many things right and have so many checks in your corner, but because you thought about dropping to the Division II level in the 1970s you may get left out 50 years later. It just doesn't seem fair, doesn't seem right, but that's it's where we are. All right, we've, we've rambled a little bit here. Uh, we've talked long enough. We want to hear from you on the Thornton Sex Line, 502-414-1450. Let us know your thoughts on the latest Conference Alignment talk or just serve up any questions for Sean. He's here to uh, he's, he's here to let you know his thoughts. He's here to talk to you. Hit us up. We'll take your text coming up after the break. It's the Mike Rutherford Show on 1450 The Big X. Looking out of the Temple of the cars in the city go rushing by. I sit here alone and I wonder
0: why. I'm happy for you. This is the Mike Rutherford Show on the Big X Sports Radio. Best for you, both no version of me is she like me right, welcome back in
1: friday edition of the mike rutherford show hopefully your weekend's off to a fantastic start or if you're at work you only have I don't know, an hour or so left before you're off and running into a non-holiday weekend but still it's the middle of july it's summer soak it up have a good time sean moth with me in studio today we've been talking again conference alignment stuff i might make up a rumor to get myself into the scoops game uh, we debated a bunch of different things by the way i, I meant to mention this at the start. You brought in. Your collection of rings, because I asked, I wanted to see your Colorado Avalanche '96 championship ring after you mentioned it yesterday on air, and you've got, uh, you know, your College World Series rings, your your 2013 national championship ring. The you make this point, and it's very fair. The College World Series rings are freaking huge; they're enormous. I can't imagine what Dan McDonald's going to do when they finally win that national title. It's going to be like a College World Series crown or something. I don't think they can do rings anymore.
0: Well, and what's funny is. I'll let folks in on a, a little secret. As uh, as I initially was asked for my ring size, I got rings that fit me. And then when I realized I don't wear them, I was like, I'm just going to get bigger than not not like, you know, Andre the sure. Giant size 38 Smart ring. Move. But I just, I, I got a ring that's, a, you know, maybe fits on my thumb or a little bigger ring. So I the only time I, I wore the, the, the Avs ring, I wore the Avs ring for about a year after they won it I I mean I I was 25 years old I didn't take it off I'd lost my mind and I I wore the 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 College World Series ring in 07 for a little bit but then I just I was like you know what let's just take care of them and then one of the one of the baseball lead-off dinners I wore I I just I always wanted something you know the icebreaker that you like and so I came up and I I had a ring on every finger and so I was just like clanking them on the (laughs) the mic saying I I've got so many rings I don't know what to do I'm sorry and I. But otherwise they've just kinda stayed in the case and thanks to mom and dad for you know, shout out to folks listening in at Windsor, Colorado. Shout out for the nice case they got me and it's so cool. I've been riding coattails for years. He's so. got
1: three spots left, folks. We need to
0: gotta fill those spots gotta up. Gotta get the natty for Dan. Gotta get the
1: natty. Uh I always, 'cause I've never I've never worn jewelry. I never wore a watch a day in my life. I didn't wear jewelry at all until I got married, wore the wedding ring. But we Sean's not wearing his wedding ring. <laughs>
0: I'm, I'm like you. I d- my wife understands. She's, she's just, I haven't worn my wedding. She's good with it. Oh, like 18 years. <laughs> I, I just don't wear. I, 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 yeah. I don't like. I don't like having stuff.
1: I don't film mine. I got the smallest possible. When I like after getting Mary's ring, and they, you know. You're the the sec, after you get that done,
0: they're like, okay, like, let's get this done done quickly.
1: They get on the men's rings and they're let's like,
0: get, let's get the shavings and melt them down.
1: Basically, exactly, which is what I wanted. Yeah, I, I was like, if I could have gotten a 25 cent ring from Kroger oh. and had that work, I would have done that. But you know, they start you down. Like here's the highest price, and you, it goes down by value. I'm like, let's go all the way down to the left side here, the smallest thing that I can get, and it, you know, most of the time I I forget I'm even wearing it, but I did like we got senior rings in high school and it's cool to wear those for like two weeks when you're a junior and you get them before your senior year yeah. but i always thought because we lost in the state championship game in baseball my junior year uh in 02 we lost to covenant catholic and if we'd won like i, I wanted to like, wear that state yeah. ring because like all my friends who played football or you know the pissed me off the friends who played like hockey they're like you beat st x one oh. time like that was that was how you <laughs> won a state championship but they got like the same ring that football got like i wanted to wear it my senior year and then we were very good my senior season. We were, I think, number two in the state going into the, the playoffs and got upset early. But if we'd won, it would have been awesome, don't get me wrong. It would have been, like, you know, the culmination of all those years playing baseball growing up and winning with my friends would have been so cool. But if we'd gotten those state championship rings, like, you're not going to wear that in college. Like, no. you're not going to – you don't want to be the, the, the douche, like, freshman year of college, yeah. walking around being yeah. like – because everybody makes up stories about how good they were in high school anyway. Like, we – like that, that was the thing everybody you met on your dorm room floor was like I mean, we actually we were just like that team from Friday Night Lights like we had this guy and this guy and <laughs> I hit 620 my senior year and all this stuff and I remember we were in the car driving to I think going to like a concert or something my freshman year and we were talking about baseball and I was saying like yeah I mean, you know my senior year I, you know it was like all district and pitching and they're like well, you know what'd you bat? I was like eh, I didn't hit that well I, I bet like seventh in our order and all this stuff and like one of my buddies in the front seats from Chicago was like can I just thank you for like for like saying that because everybody we meet is like I hit, I batted fourth and I hit forty five home runs and I was an all state quarterback and it just yeah you know, to add to that having a state championship ring would have just not been a, a a cool thing well
0: and I think it's a fact that no matter what level of athletics you compete at your your nature is to remember your greatest moments and be able to recite numbers yeah it doesn't matter like I I could recite I'm not going to recite it because it's not important but it's 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 just interesting that that facet and yeah the 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 Dan ring I. uh I hope we. I hope we see it come to fruition. I think it's, it's gonna happen. I think so. I this think year so. should be good.
1: We didn't talk a lot about, and I will get the text line here in just a second. We didn't talk a whole lot about baseball this season, you know, ending at Texas A and M, which I always it, it. It shouldn't bother me as much as it does because I've been dealing with this for a long time. But it does when you get. The fans that are out there, are like, well, we can't can't win the big game. I get excited about baseball every single year. I'm like, one team wins a national title, yeah. and let's let, let's keep in mind, Louisville started the season out of every top 25 poll. They were picked to finish, I think, fifth in the ACC Atlantic Division. They win the division once again. They are a, a top 12 national seed. They win the regional. They go like they played to their seat. If you want to use a basketball term, they got beat by the fifth best team in the country on their home field in two one run games. It was a big-time bounce-back season for the program after missing the NCAA tournament for just the second time since Dan got here. And it it has to be mentioned, it feels like excuse-making, but that 2020 team that had their season taken away by COVID was on pace to be, easy to make the case, strongest chance we've had at winning a national title. Like They were best weekend rotation, loaded with draftees. You lose a lot of those guys. and you don't just bounce back from something like that, especially when you don't have a normal off season to install the culture that has made this program so successful on a year to year basis. So to to get back to our winning ways, I think was no small thing this past season. And like we sort of danced around a little bit yesterday with the college world series predictions. I think I've seen two different top early top 25 polls for next year that have Louisville in the top five. It feels like a year where the expectation should get back to this team can get to Omaha this team could be the one. Like, I know it seems like it's like that more times than not, but Dan gets unfairly punished for being so damn consistent. And the fact of the matter is, and we have debated this with the KRC guys, it's very hard to win a national title in baseball. You have a lot of programs that have had a lot more history of success that have been to many more college world series that have been doing this since the 50s that haven't gotten the job done, that haven't won that big one. And it just takes, hell, I mean, Ole Miss was the last team in the field this year, the very last team to make the tournament. It takes getting hot at the right time. You can have the right assembly of talent. You can have the right head coach. You got to get a few breaks. You got to get hot at the right time. You got to have the right draw. And Louisville's been close. They just have not quite gotten there. And next year, they should be right back in the mix.
0: Well, then let's say this. And there's a lot to to unravel right there. The the first thing is Dan is number one in college baseball in active winning percentage. Not bad. I mean, I, I don't know what else you can ask for in any situation, let alone a team that had been to the tournament once. Colorado State has been to the College World Series. They haven't had baseball since 1989. Like, there are programs. When I got here, this was shocking to me, and I, I, I was not a college baseball aficionado. I watched the College World Series because I grew up in a family of sports fans when it was on, but I had never been to a college baseball game until I had to work one at Louisville. But, you know, my perception of the game was such that I figured every school just had guys that were in the big leagues over the course of time because you just do. Yeah. Louisville had had one guy in the big leagues when I got here in 1999. His name was Fred Koster, a name you probably recognize because you know athletics. He was a four-sport superstar, and he played for the Philadelphia Phillies for a third of a season in 1939, if I'm not mistaken. He went on to become a pretty well-respected uh I think he was an SEC football official. Anyway, Fred Koster was the first great athlete at L. Our next big leaguer was Sean Green from Male High School <laughs> in 2004, maybe, 2005. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. And I'm looking at we're playing Murray. We're playing Moorhead. And, again, no, no disparaging these programs at all, but I'm looking at their 10, 12 big leaguers that they've had over the years and decades, so – it's almost like a puzzling level or lack of success. And we've had great players like Jim LaFountain. Jim, I just talked to uh, late in the season. He came out for the last season of the, or the last series of the year. He was our first all American. He was an absolute monster. He had hit like 10 home runs in his first month of high a baseball was meeting with the buddies. He got the call to either double or triple a they're in dress clothes. They're talking. They say, let's uh, take some swings for us. And he, Steps in the cage in dress clothes and tears his ACL, oh, basically God. ends his career. Dan Capriva hit like four hundred and twenty his entire career and didn't have a glove. Plateaued in double A. The highest draft pick when I got here was Jeff Brom. <laughs> that's right. The highest draft pick in Louisville baseball history was Jeff Brom. So you have the winningest coach in college baseball among active coaches, coaching a program that's never done anything. No, you have no right to complain about anything. The 2020 season, man. Internally, we fans lose sleep over it. Internally, oh man. Yeah. You know, we talk with the staff all the time, and we just—it's like Voldemort, like he—that which shall not be named. Like we just don't talk about it. You know, it's you had Reed Demers on Fridays, you had Bobby Miller on Saturdays. It was the lighter rocker combo the year before they did it, and. It just, it just... was
1: averaging over two strikeouts per oh. inning when the season ended.
0: Well, and and, and to, to even step on that a little more, Detmers got called back up to the Angels again. He just threw a no-hitter in the big leagues. Yeah,
1: Bobby Miller's number. Everybody's like showing his stats because he's throwing 103.
0: Yeah. And Bobby Miller and Henry Davis are in the Futures game, at yeah. the All-Star game. Like, the, these two guys were on the team together in 20 with Detmers and, oh, I don't know, Alex Benelis, lucas dunn luke brown i mean levi usher was hitting over 400 and was the levi usher we thought he was going to be like the the stats that year and the 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 convincing nature with which we were winning and it it gets really lost in the shuffle too but michael kirian was six for six in saves and hadn't given up a hit (laughs) like the team was loaded and it's not just the lost opportunity of winning the national title it's the momentum you pull because we saw Tennessee this year in college baseball. If you follow it at all, that was the best team college baseball has seen in the regular season in years. Maybe an Oregon State team, I think when they won a title in in maybe I don't know, eighteen, they the year they didn't they win the had title. A record. They were insane. But Tennessee was Tennessee was stupid. And even if you didn't see it, their fans let you know about it on social media. They absolutely did. But they didn't they didn't make a domo. No. And so that happens. And so the twenty twenty there's no guarantee we're going to get there. But a lot of teams, it's the next year that the team thrives. Vandy did it. Virginia did it. A lot of programs have had that year. They don't win it, and the next year they do. And I've seen it in college basketball too. I go back to the Arizona teams Damon Stoudemire left, and Miles Simon wins a national title. Yeah. I mean, it's it's odd how some of those things work. But hey Manning, T. Martin. I mean, the point is, is that yeah, maybe it wouldn't happen, but twenty twenty one was going to be special regardless. If you carry that momentum, and I've, I've been on the show here, talked about it before, COVID sucked for everybody. And there were much more severe consequences to concern ourselves with. So please don't think I'm downplaying the deaths and the suffering and that. But just from a from an athletic standpoint, it was just 2021 was incredibly challenging. You know, it wasn't just getting tested twice a week. It was just the, the restrictions put on the team to a point where, all of the team bonding was thrown out the window. Like the team traveled in two buses everywhere. So even if you finished up a game at at Vandy and won, there was no pep talk, there was no camaraderie, there was no there was no team. You were just back to it. And so anybody that succeeded in 21 had an interesting formula to do so. But I don't buy anybody's successes or failures that year. I just throw them out the window. And it's not not an offense to anybody that won titles, but it just it wasn't and so Scott there, Drew
1: still never won a championship, in Sean Moss eyes. He said it. Take it to the message boards. I figured fans. you'd go
0: with Kentucky volleyball, but well, yeah. Mickey. I, I did call it a Mickey Mouse championship. I mean, happened. we could go to the Lightning too, but uh, yeah, they got one normal one. I, I I guess so. For me, I yeah, it's disappointing. It's frustrating, but but turning it into this team now, as we talked yesterday, and just having to let the cake bake. This year's team, every team that Dan has had from the '07 team to the '2020 team. There's always been a just a workhorse Friday guy that could get the job done. And typically, there was a Saturday guy that was pretty good. Mm-hmm. And in 07, it was Zach Pitts on Friday and Justin Marks on Saturday, even though he was a true freshman. And those dudes, they were Biggie's Pitcher of the Year and Biggie's Freshman of the Year. And it went on to Thomas Royce. It went on to, you know, Adam Wolf, to Justin Amalong, to Jeff Thompson, to, you know, Chad Green, obviously Reed Detmers, Kyle Funkhauser, Josh Rogers, I mean, all these arms— this year, that that luxury wasn't there for, for Dan and Roger Williams to a point where our Friday night guy, Tate Keener, started eight Fridays and then went to the bullpen yeah. and then was a freaking maniac out of the bullpen. Right at the end. I mean, unbelievable. Yeah, sure. Jared Poland started as a weekend starter, had a bump in the road, and then came back and was our most consistent starter. But outside of that, there was real difficulty in finding any consistency with starting pitching. And with that being said we lost two games on the road in the Super Regional by a run. Yeah. And so um, it'll be interesting to see who comes back. Riley Phillips feels like he's a Friday guy in the waiting. He made a jump from a disaster of a freshman year, and he'll be the first to say it, to a pretty good second season. Uh, five and one record. He made 13 starts. And then you look at the top hitters on the team last year, Jack Payton, Christian Napchick, Isaac Humphrey, all coming back now. I'm well aware of the fact that Dalton Rushing's 23 home runs, Ben Metzinger's 19, Cameron Masterman's 18, and Ben Bianco's 11 are probably all gone, but uh, Dan hasn't always been an Earl Weaver-type team, so the pieces are there, and as we've talked, this incoming freshman class, which is almost entirely on campus, features, uh, I, I think it's a top five class, according to some people, so a lot to be excited about, and it was definitely a disappointing end. I was... I was thrilled to go to Texas A&M because of the venue. I wanted to see Bluebell Park. It's unbelievable. Their fans, in terms of numbers, are ridiculous. But in terms of their passion and the way they cheer, was really curious. Because if things weren't going great, they weren't there to propel the team to greatness. And when things got a little iffy in the ninth inning and it looked like we were going to walk it off and Dalton Rushing was going to hit home run, they got quiet. A little panicky. And it's it was weird because it's the bubble it was, effect. It was a lot of people that were really quiet at a baseball game.
1: The bubbles also weren't cool. I, I talked about that a lot. I get that you want to do your own thing, like you want to have like the you know, the Ole Miss throwing the beers, the Mississippi State cowbells, but the bubbles just it, it it didn't work for me. I liked a lot of what AM fans did. Yeah, I got that it got under Louisville fans skin because we're the team playing against them, but. It, like it's smart like it's good fandom to do the, the cheers and have the, the oh, coordinated yeah. efforts it, it clearly works they had a great they weren't supposed to be good this year they had a fantastic season the bubbles though just not doing anything for me <laughs> just not, not doing anything for me whatsoever
0: i think a player just started that on a whim when he hit a home run a couple years ago and it, it, it stuck so yeah it's <laughs> it is what it Whatever.
1: is uh, Whatever. we have more to talk about we have to go to break before we do that i gotta say this we have a is it special day on the mike rutherford show sean not just because sean Mall's here <laughs> we have a new sponsor I got to give a shout out to our guys over at AirServe Louisville's area, AC and heating experts. Mm. Uh, you know, you're having a- AC issues. We had AC issues a couple of weeks ago. AirServe can take care of you when it happens none of this is a problem for them. None of the losing, you know, AC when you have got company over, none of losing AC when you're about to have a birthday party, whatever, because their their technicians are available 24-7. They're like EMTs for your HVAC. They offer upfront pricing, no hidden fees. They're focused on keeping you comfortable and safe in your home all summer long or all winter long when we get there. Uh, Hit air serve up today. It's going to be a move that makes you right. Uh, it's going to be a move that makes your house feel fantastic all summer long, all winter long. The number is 502-264-9662. You can also go to airserve.com And when you type in air, it's A-I-R-E-S-E-R-V.com backslash Louisville. They're here to help you out. Again, EMTs for your HVAC. That's what Airserve does. We're very excited to have them on board. We're also very excited to have Sean Moth in studio. We're going to have him in studio again for the next hour. Coming up here uh, on 1450 and 961, The Big X.
0: I can't get the computer to play the music.
1: Are we good to go? All right, we're back. We're back. Music's not working. It's fine. No, we'll blame Trevor, as we do whenever something doesn't work when Trevor's gone. Trevor's fault, clearly. Not sure what he's doing. Get off your ass, Trevor, and make something
0: happen. Uh, I thought today was going to be (laughs) mistake-free. Well,
1: you you can only have you got to pick your hour. Usually, it's been the first hour the other days this week. Yeah. Today, it's going to be the second hour. That's okay. We're talking baseball. It's only one strike. We're good.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I was trying to cue up some of the old Rocky Mountain Oysters music to maybe give us a bed, but I was was slow on the trigger. (laughs)
1: It's hour number two of the Mike Rutherford Show here on fourteen fifty and 961. We do have Sean Moth in studio once again today, uh, having some fun. We want to go to the Thornton Sex Line now. We've kept you guys waiting long enough. 502 Four one four fourteen fifty. 1450. Talk some realignment in the first segment. Talk some Louisville baseball in the second segment. So we'll get to your questions here. Uh, Texture says U of L baseball under Dan McDonald has been spectacular. Anyone who complains about U of L not winning at all yet is clueless and foolish. U of L baseball has improved almost every year under DM and become a powerhouse program. COVID took away possibly his greatest team. This year's team was unranked preseason and made it to the super regional. It makes me want to pimp slap some fools. <laughs> there well, you go. There we go. Uh, it, I know I sound like an old man at this point, and this is only going to continue as I get older. That's how this this stuff works. <laughs> we needed that, right? I mean, we've got <laughs> we've got 15 year olds out there that have never known anything but like this highest level mm. of success, Louisville baseball program. When I was growing up and playing around the area, playing with a lot of guys who wound up being on that first 07 team to go to the College World Series, I'm not even sure I could guarantee that I knew Louisville had a baseball team. To be quite frank, I knew when like the best players who were a little bit older than me were going to college or, or getting drafted. They either were going to the draft or they were going to, like, Spencer Grader was fantastic at Ballard. He went Absolutely. to Kentucky. Um, you know, Chris Burke. Chris Burke. Yeah. Like, like they weren't going to Louisville. They're going Cox. to Tennessee. They were going somewhere else. Um, you know, th- like, the, uh, I'm trying to think of who were the, the twins at, um, uh, at Ballard? Um, one of them went to Yale, one of them went to Vanderbilt. And became oh, Stowers. Sowers. yeah, like they were two years older than me. Henry yep. Sowers almost hit me with a pitch. I thought I was gonna die. Like I like yeah. lay on the ground for a second, just like collecting my thoughts. But like they they weren't going to consider Louisville. No. It wasn't if you were a top-tier program in this area, you weren't considering going to play baseball for Louisville. And now that has changed so dramatically where if you're a top-tier player in this area, and you don't consider Louisville, people are like, well, you must not be that good, right? Like the best players in this area, the best players outside of this area in the state have been consistently picking Louisville or going pro. I mean, there was a story we were talking yesterday about the draft, the guys we have signed who may wind up not making it to campus because they're going to be so highly drafted, which has become a kind of a thing for U L baseball in recent years. Like Corbin Dickerson uh, for Trinity, we mentioned him there's a shot that he could follow Dale, Dale, Lyles lead. And if he gets drafted high enough, could sign a pro contract. Like that's become the risk that you run. It's no longer, are they going to sign with us? It's, are they so good that yeah. they might not wind up, wind up making it to campus?
0: Well, and what's the, the tail of caution on that is when Dan arrived in 07, we lost, we, we had lost a number of recruits to the, the same process. It just wasn't as well known because the blogging, the social media and that really hadn't come to fruition yet, but there were, there were some really good players Chad Petty, Justin Woodrow come to mind that were coming to U of L and, and didn't make it onto campus. I, I got to give Brian Mundorf credit. He had Chris Dominguez and Ian Desmond on campus together for a visit. But, um, you know, it's it's one of those things where in 07, Chris Limonis, then the recruiting coordinator, and Dan signed Jake Odorizzi, number one player in the country, right. USA Today Player of the Year, and he got drafted early and left. Since that year... There hasn't been a single season of recruiting where Dan and his staff haven't lost their top recruit. It's happened Jeez. literally every year, and it's one of those things that it's a little more under the radar. And, and here's the reason why: Jake Odorizzi was the last one that did anything in pro ball until Jared Kelenic, who's now with the Mariners, and was the number one player in that class. And they actually lost the top two players in that class because. Another kid, that uh, kid named Schnell that was in uh, Indiana, decided to hit nine home runs in April in high school. And everybody's like, oh, this kid's pretty good. And he got drafted <laughs> in the second round. I mean, that's that's the weird nature of it. You, you talked about Forbes down in, in Bowling Green. And so I- every year he'd, he'd lose the guy. But I can list off the names of the guys, and nobody's going to know who they are because they never did anything. You know, we had a, a switch hitting shortstop from Memphis named Jacob Thompson. You know, we had a catcher from St. Louis named Jake Depew, and these kids probably would have been superstars if they'd come to Louisville, and and Dalen Lyle continued that trend. Uh, I, I take it back. I said Kellinick. Uh, that 2020 team would have also had Kellinick, and they would have also had, um, draw, now I'm drawing a blank on a Ballard kid. Joe Adele. Joe Adele yeah. would have been in the outfield with Jared Kellenick. two guys that are in the big leagues already. Right now, yeah. And so that's continued. And Cam Collier, we're losing. I mean, there's just no question about it. We talked about him yesterday. Young man that skipped his senior year of high school to go play JUCO. I think in his first uh, junior college game, he went, uh, he walked his first three times, and then hit a home run, and then closed out the game by pitching the ninth at ninety five, ninety six. He's six two two ten. Dad played in the big leagues. It's a talk now that he might be top three picks in the draft, and you know there was a lot of hope that. They could get him on campus, but this season progressed and it continued, and it didn't happen. There's a pitcher from Ohio named Jacob Miller, and there's a chance the Cards lose him, and the, and then the list goes on. Gavin Kylan, a kid from Wisconsin's a middle infielder. Yeah, only one team needs to like you, and the problem with it is it's not like once you lose one guy, it's not like the expansion draft. You're like, okay, no more. Everybody else is off limits. I mean, you could be devastated by it, and and it makes for a, a difficult take. But losing kids has been the norm. But the the, the caution tale is that. Most of these kids don't succeed. And now that the draft is 20 rounds and rookie ball has been eliminated, when you get drafted in those 20 rounds, you're taking someone else's job to play that year, basically. yeah, You're not going to a team that's being created out of these kids. You're not headed out to to Billings, Montana to play for the Mustangs. You're not heading out to... Colorado Springs to play for the Rocky Mountain vibes, and everybody on that team's a first-year pro player, and they're getting to know things, you're going to go to A-ball, and you're going to take somebody's roster spot. And so teams aren't going to mess around with drafting people that either aren't ready or aren't worth the projection, and they're more and more willing to draft college talent, and they're more and more willing to draft older guys, too. And so, you know, in Dalen Lyle's case, he had surgery and didn't even play his first year of pro ball, but... As much as I hope he makes the big leagues, it's going to be interesting to see because the track record says yeah. usually you don't. Unless you're Mike Trout, <laughs> unless you're Derek Jeter, Alex Rodriguez, this, this small sample size of especially position player kids, but now even more so pitchers, I mean, college is the route to go. And, and now it's the better way to develop a player than what opportunities you get in pro ball because you don't get rookie ball. You don't get a feet wet opportunity. Like you're gonna go play in hot you're gonna play an A-ball with, you know, Luke Brown, who's been a pro ball for two years. You're you're gonna be with a bunch of guys that have been there. So it's gonna be interesting to see. I think the sales pitch is really good. I I wish that name image likeness could come into play a little more for baseball because I think it could do a lot. But I also love the baseball platform that says once you're on campus. You're here until you're junior right. year or you're 21. Texas says,
1: and UK fans
0: love to do this. It's such a, I've gone
1: on this rant before. It's a horrible comparison. Dan and Calipari get the same bleep talk, and both of it's very unfair. To compare John Calipari, who walked into arguably, I'll say arguably, even though you guys would disagree with me, <laughs> the most storied tradition in all of college basketball. Tons of national titles. Well, they, seven national titles before he'd gotten there. Huge fan base ton of money surrounding the program, every advantage you could possibly have. To compare him to Dan McDonald, who walked into, as we just talked about, a program that had been to a grand total of one NCAA tournament and won a grand total of zero NCAA tournament games, and say it's the exact same thing for them to be this good and fall short of winning a national title, is ludicrous. Louisville's never been... For all the success we've had, never been a number one overall seed in the NCAA tournament. Never been the favorite to win it all. They've been sometimes the betting favorite when they've gotten to Omaha. I think the 2013 team was. And it's not like that 2015 undefeated Kentucky team where everybody thought they were going to get it done and they didn't. It's just you're comparing apples and oranges here. It's just Louisville also, as well as they've recruited, they don't have this number one class that's loaded with guaranteed draft picks. We've had guys that have come in here as sort of the third, fourth, fifth best players in the class and have wound up becoming... Very high level, very early draft picks. It's a totally different scenario. The only comparison that you can make is Louisville is very, very good every year and Kentucky's very, very good every year. Like that's it. it well,
0: and, and I'll add two factors. Factor number one is the number one seed hasn't won a college world series since Miami in 1999. Forever. Being the number one seed doesn't, really, I mean, that, that doesn't give you anything. The cards have been as high as the two seed, as you mentioned. So, so. The, the four teams that made the final four this year in college baseball, none of them hosted a regional. None of them were a one seed in their region. So they were 17 through 36 or whatever, yeah. in, or 32 in in terms of seedings. And the, the other thing that you look at with, with college baseball is, um let's, I'm, I'm trying to figure out a way to frame this in, in a way that, that, that makes sense. It's, well, I'm I'm gonna have to get back to the second reason because I I'm not sure how I can put it into to, to sensible terms, but you know the 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 I, to me the better comparison is Jeff Walls. I mean, I, I would think those two yeah. are a more similar track, mm-hmm. and I don't think anybody wants to get rid of Jeff Walls right now. It's, I mean the in the KFC folks and I have, have gotten to this before Like
1: they claim that it's harder to win a national title in men's basketball the NCAA tournament's more unpredictable than the baseball tournament which is is just ludicrous I mean you brought it up there mm. number one overall seed hasn't won the baseball title since 1999 we just had the last at large team to win it all to, to get into the field win the whole national title which would be the equivalent of an 11 seed from the first four winning the national title I know UCLA got to the final four a couple of years ago they haven't won it all in fact almost all like since seeding the field began since the tournament expanded number one seeds have won more national titles 25 than all other seeds combined 17. one seed almost wins they've won six of the last seven now with kansas winning this past year and eight of the last ten it is a the smart money every single year in the men's basketball tournament is on one of the four number one seeds the smart money every single year in the men's baseball tournament is not on one of the top four seeds in that field it's just the way that it works i mean you had, fresno state won it as a four seed which is the equivalent of like a conference champion who would be seated between 12 and 16.
0: unimaginable it's like, unimaginable it's totally different well and that's part of what the 2020 you know crying the the tears of regret you know is that you never if know you have two studs on the hill that's all you need mm-hmm. because as you get into that format if you can win your first two regional games and we had luke smith as our third starter that year it was damn good if luke smith is your sunday starter you go three and own the regional you go to a super regional as they did in 2019, and you get any offense, 14 to one, 12 to nothing, almost a no hitter from Bobby Miller. Those two guys can can ride you to a national title, and I mean, I can't even imagine if Reed and, and Bobby had had that full season to mature and progress. Because you look at why Ole Miss won. I mean, their pitching caught fire. Their super regional win in Hattiesburg, they shut out Southern Miss twice. Which, this was a year of offense in college baseball like we've never seen since the new bats were introduced. So, I, I laugh. You know, if, if you don't like Dan McDonald, you think he can't win the big one, then give me your list of your five coaches you think should replace him and go tell Mike Martin about it, that his 23 times to Omaha and his winningest coach in the history of college baseball, that he's a failure.
1: Texas, when I was at Manual, I remember driving by when they were having the breaking ground ceremony on Jim Patterson Stadium, and I immediately just laughed and said, why? A few years later, we went to the College World Series. The egg on my face has never felt so good.
0: And <laughs> Everybody. And, L- and Lolo Prado is to thank for that. Yeah. Lelo I- Prado saw that happen, and, and and he doesn't get the credit he deserves for the job he did. And and even more so, Brian Mundorf doesn't get the credit he deserves. Because he, with all due respect to Dan and Chris Limones and Zambarksdale Barksdale and Roger Williams, Brian Mundorf recruited that team that came in 07 that had 10 seniors on it. The Skyler Meads, the Tristan Magnusons, the the Justin Marks, the Zach. Those, those were Brian and Lelo's kids.
1: And they all talked about keeping him around when Dan McDonald chose to keep on staff was a huge thing because a lot of those guys, including yeah. Chris Dominguez, were thinking we're going to go somewhere else when, when Lelo Prado was gone. Yeah, and that's yeah. why Lelo got one of these.
0: And yeah. that's why Lelo was in Omaha in 07. Yeah. I yeah. mean, because Lelo hadn't been there. Uh,
1: Texas says the, the more days and the counter reports. Prog- uh, the more days and counter reports progress, the louder the Vince Lombardi uh, "What in the hell is going on here?" soundbite gets. Yeah, as far as <laughs> confederate alignment stuff. Uh, text says, "What's uh, what has happened to Brendan
0: McKay?" Shoulder. Yeah, Brendan McKay had a had an unusual baseball injury, and and it, I'm I'm googling my way through it so I can know what it is. But my last reports I heard from Brendan is that he is doing better, but he had a a procedure that is somewhat uncommon um, it's called thoracic outlet syndrome mm. and uh, he had surgery on november of 2021 to repair that and typically baseball surgeries that involve the arm for a pitcher put you on a 12 to 18 month track before you're 100 percent now the the thoracic outlet the surgery is as i mentioned is 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 an odd injury. And I'm trying to remember, I, I, I tried to read up on it because when I heard about it, I was a little concerned because usually you hear about, you know, torn rotator cuff or Tommy John or UCL, any of these, these common injuries. This one, um, Steven Strasberg had it, Chris Archer, Matt Harvey, Chris Carpenter, uh, Matt Harrison, Clayton Richard. There's some names on the list that have, that have definitely had it. Um, but it's, it's one of those that has uh, Markel Fultz, a name that I was trying oh, to wow. bring up the other day that I couldn't, uh, had it. So he, he's battled a number of different injuries, and I, I, I hope he can come back from that. I think he can come back from that. He's too special a talent not to. I, I don't think people understand that if you were to get the nine guys that said Louisville's going to be in Omaha, eight of them, and said, let's talk about the greatest player in the history of college baseball. And if you said Brendan McKay that those nine wouldn't look at you funny. Yeah. They'd be like, yeah.
1: I I wonder if when he does come back, if they're – I don't know if this was already in the works because he's played so infrequently since 2019. I wonder if they're just going to focus him on pitching. Because originally when they brought him up, it was – he's going to be a dual threat. They're going to do the Shoei Otani thing. But his numbers in the minor leagues, regardless of where he was, they were big league caliber on the mound. They were not quite big league caliber at the plate. Like he was – and – the limited amount of time that he got in big league plate appearances, he just didn't look ready. Like, that part of his game I don't think was was there. And I always kind of thought it was, even when he was just doing what he was doing in college, I was like, if I'm him, I'm focused on the mound. Like, he's elite there. He's got a big league swing at times, but it, it wasn't, the arm was ahead of the bat,
0: I always thought. It's such an interesting discussion, and I got into it with a lot of the national writers. Um, I got into it with Chris Burke. I don't mean got into it; like got into discussions. You with fought him. Chris Burke, yeah? I did. Just we threw down, <laughs> uh, grabbed his shirt, and pulled it over his head. <laughs> no, well, you know, we we I talked with I talked with scouts. I talked with cross checkers. I talked with. Uh, I remember talking with a with a cross checker in in the the stadium, saying, "What what what do you think? Like what what you know?" And big league teams were split there was really? no oh there was no thought to where he would go and here was my perspective on it when he was at Louisville he lifted with the pitchers he worked out as a pitcher through regular bullpens and he took bp but he did not lift as a hitter and he did not focus on hitting or focus on defense at first base which he was very good if i'm the fourth pick in the draft and i'm going to give him a signing bonus of whatever upwards of 7 million dollars or whatever it was that brendan ended up with I'm more inclined to bring in a guy that plays a premium position that plays every day. And at the time in pro baseball and Major League Baseball, if I were to ask you who the best first basemen in Major League Baseball are, it wasn't like the Mark McGuire, Jeff Bagwell, like, oh, I'll give you a laundry list. Mark Grace and Todd Helton, I mean, I'll give you all these guys. There's some really good first basemen in big league baseball, but it wasn't it wasn't as common a superstar position. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking to myself this kid's never focused exclusively on hitting. He's never lifted as a hitter, and he has an opportunity with his unlimited power and his eye to be pretty special. you know he 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 did not have a weak bat at Louisville no not at all he just as a guy that was the Friday starter it was it was a compliment to his game but he you know he was the Shohei Otani of of college baseball at the time and so my argument was let's pay the guy to play every day and if he pitches what bothers me about the the major league draft when they're talking about college prospects is and and Chris Burke told me this you know he's a three or four starter I said why why can't he be an ace? He's like he doesn't throw hard enough, doesn't he? Doesn't have the mix. He does. It's not there. I was like, can he can he project to be that? And, I mean, he can, but it's doubtful. He's a third or fourth starter. I'm, why do you spend the fourth pick in the draft on a third or fourth starter? Right. Why wouldn't you want a top of the rotation guy? And so, it's curious to me how compartmentalized everybody in baseball is. And I I know it happens in every sport, but I think in baseball more so than others. And I I I wondered how Brendan would have thrived because we talked about his power. I tell the stories about him picking up a fungo at the plate and hitting a ball over the scoreboard at Jim Patterson Stadium without <laughs> even blinking, and I saw it multiple times. And if anybody's seen his only career home run that he hit in Tampa, I mean, it hit the back wall at Tropicana Stadium. The kid had just immense power. So I feel like there was an opportunity to be a p- pretty special hitter. But obviously, the pitching is there. I think he'll exclusively focus on pitching. I think that they'll know from all the injuries he's had that that's the way to go. And the fact that he threw five perfect innings in his Major League debut doesn't really
1: dispute that in any way,
0: shape, or form. But hopefully good health to him.
1: Texas, I was so confused during the silence, and then I bust out laughing when the glorious tones of Gary come out of nowhere to say he couldn't get the music to play. <laughs> it was just a nice <laughs> moment. Uh, people love when when stuff goes screwy here. It's, a, you know, it's part of the allure. It's, it, it's it's the charm.
0: It's like when someone breaks on SNL. That's the best <laughs> exactly. time to watch Saturday Night Live. Couldn't agree more.
1: Uh, Texas, I like Dan, but at some point he needs to find a way to win it all. He seems to choke when the lights are the brightest. It's not – I'll push back against it. It's not choking when you make it to Omaha and you lose. I mean, they lost to Vandy a a couple of years ago. They were the the third to last team out. There were three teams left standing Louisville was one of them. They lost to Vandy, who is at the time the preeminent program in college baseball and who was about to win their second national title in a row. It's not like they're out there choking to St. Peter's. Uh, that's a, uh, unintended shot. I swear to God, I'm just, I thought about it because I'm wearing the shirt. Um, Great shirt, by the way. Thank you. Shout out to home field apparel. Um, Like It's not like that Louisville gets into the tournament every year and they're like a number 2 or a number 3 seed and they lose in their regional. They It's like the Buffalo Bill syndrome. They get punished for being too successful. People would not be as critical of Dan McDonald if they'd lost in a few more regionals, if they'd not made it to Omaha quite as many times. Because you get more eyeballs in the program when that happens. And... Like, it's unfair that, like, just because he can't win a national title. Like you've said a million times, if you don't think Dan McDonald's the guy, who is?
0: Yeah. Well, and Jay Wright sucked Everybody. until he won a national title.
1: The narrative is the narrative until it's not. Yeah. And when it changes, it changes entirely.
0: Here's the other thing about college baseball, and I'll just I'll just say it like it is. Louisville is not playing... You know, the 11.7 scholarship rule, 35 players has to be spread out among those. You know, you, you only have 30, 11.7 scholarships through the 35 players. It's not a fully funded sport in terms of scholarships. And so you're you're not giving full rides to anybody because that's just you can't do that. Even a Brandon McKay, you're just not giving a full ride because that's it's not how it operates. With that being said, there are programs <coughs> that are <laughs> Virginia, North Carolina, make a list of the programs, and most of them are the teams that you see succeeding at a high level at the Division One level. And I think Ole Miss and Mississippi State, the last two national champions, are playing with the same, same book. And that is the fact that those programs, and Vanderbilt in particular, has need-based aid for everybody that comes on campus. And what that means is when they are carrying 35 players that they can actively use over the course of a season, there's a good chance that there are 39 players on their roster that have a full-ride scholarship. Mm-hmm. Louisville has 11.7 scholarships to spread around their 35 players. Now, there are programs that don't have the full 11.7. There are programs that don't have a second full-time assistant. Louisville has those things. But with that being said, there are programs, and, and inside the coaches call it funny money. Well, the Vandy's got all the funny money. Like, guys are going to Vandy when they're drafted in the first round because they're getting a free education. And they know that what they do at Vandy with what Tim Corbin's built, and this is taking nothing away from Coach Corbin sure, sure. and the success they've had, but it, it is a different playing field. That's not to say there isn't need-based aid, but it reminds me of why football changed their scholarship limits, because back in the, in the Tom Osborne heyday, you had the third-string offensive line. Every single lineman was on a Future Farmers of America scholarship, and he had 140 kids on scholarship, and that's why they won, and no offense to Lincoln, but that's why they haven't won that much since the scholarship limits were altered. Sure. And so it's the same thing in baseball. And the national writers don't want to talk about it because they don't see it as that big an advantage, which to me is ludicrous. Some of them, you know, it's kind of an elephant in the room. But there's, the, the bottom line is there are plenty of programs academically and athletically that are able to give need-based aid to student-athletes in addition to the 11.7 scholarships, and that makes it that much more difficult to be able to achieve The other factor, and this goes across the board in every sport, is guys are getting scholarships handed to them when they're a freshman. And if you can tell me how good a kid's going to be when he's 14, projecting him to what he's going to be when he's 18 and playing at the Division I level, there are plenty of guys that have been in the USA baseball system and, oh, man, they were just all-world 13-, 14-, 15-, 16-year-olds, and they plateau. It's okay. But I think if you look at what Dan – and Chris Limonis, Zan Barksdale, Adam Brable, Eric Snyder, Roger Williams have done is the development they have made is extraordinary. And there, there's two cases in point: how highly touted the kids that are playing in the big leagues were coming out of high school, and if whether or not they were drafted. And if you look at the All-Americans on that outfield wall, how many of those guys actually played in the big leagues? Yeah, not many. We're talking about this too: the the All-American wall. Like Trevor's like.
1: At what point do we have to do something different? Because it was fine when it was such a rarity to honor the All-Americans out there, and now it's like the entire wall like, where we have going to start taking guys off. Like, I feel like old guys are going to have to start rooting against Louisville to have All-Americans so they can stay on the wall. It's just, hey, it's a testament to what's been going on here
0: within the baseball program. Dalton Rushing will be added to the wall. He I, will i, I got to ask you. we were going to break? Yeah, we were, but what do you have? I just want to know, Covecalf beating you in the team, in yeah. who, who was on that team? Anybody you remember?
1: There was a—I oh, I can't remember his name. It was Mr.—it was not Mr. Baseball that year. Mr. Baseball was—actually, um, it might have been, because this is my junior year. My okay. senior year, Mr. Baseball played for Dunbar, who beat Mail in the state title game, and went to Wake Forest. Josh something. He was our quarterback, too. Um— the kid who pitched against us was not good for CuffCath. but it was uh, their, their shortstop. The kid who hit, I think he, he was, he went to UK. Of again. course,
0: he was a shortstop, but
1: I can't remember his name. Right. He had a bizarre name. They beat us five three. The lights went off for uh, nineteen minutes on accident because they started <laughs> blasting fire. They thought it was out number three, and it was actually out number two. Oh, um, no. I, I told the story recently because my buddy Jim was on deck, and he's like sat there in the on deck circle for twenty minutes without anybody talking to him. And then um, the only thing that could make me laugh after the game was we drive back to Trinity. Our cars are in the parking lot. His Explorer had been in a wreck recently, and he couldn't open the the driver's side door, so we had to climb in through the passenger side door. I was like, "What a terrible night!" But it was the only thing that could make me smile when I was leaving was uh, was was seeing him climb through that passenger side door because I had to do that recently with the Highlander after we got T-boned in Springfield. But it was Cuffgeth was good. Like we we were really good. We had a lot of talent on my. My junior talent team was was more talented than my senior team. But well, Brian Brom didn't do a thing. Well, Brian was a, wasn't on the team that lost the state championship game. He was he was a junior my senior year and did nothing. Uh, but it was great <laughs> the year after. It was don't get me wrong. I, so I'm told. Got I drafted still, by
0: the Rockies. I
1: still don't believe it, but whatever. Uh, love you, Brian. Well, we'll go to break when we come back here. More nonsense. It's Mike Rutherford and Sean Moth in studio for the Mike Rutherford Show here on 1450 The Big X. This is the Mike Rutherford Show on the Big X. All right, welcome back in. Friday edition of the Mike Rutherford Show here on 1450 AM, 96.1 FM, The Big X. Reminding you again, ShadyRays.com is your place to go for sunglasses this summer because they've got the best brands, the best styles, and the best deals. The best deal we're talking about right now is using that promo code Big X when you check out. It's going to save you 15% off as many items as you purchase from ShadyRays. Go to ShadyRays.com today. Use the promo code Big X when you check out. Uh, And also, if something happens to those sunglasses in the first 30 days, they hook you up with a replacement pair. It's a Shady Rays guarantee. ShadyRays.com, all summer long, they're going to hook you up. Uh, Sean Moth with me in studio today. Before we get back into the discussion, a little bit of sad news I, I just saw. I don't know if you saw the story, Sean. Yeah. Uh, the, there was a family that was downtown Louisville, I think, on on Tuesday, and were hit by a driver who read was on, I think, like, Oxycon. It was heavily impaired, was, was how it was described. They were hit on the sidewalk. Uh, the the young lady in the family is Ava Jones, who's a basketball star from the state of Kansas who recently committed to the University of Iowa, um, and her younger brother, I believe, was hit in both of her parents, and they just announced now that Trey Jones, her father, uh, has passed away due to his injuries. Super, super sad story right there. Uh, hopefully she's okay, and hopefully the remaining members of her family are okay, but that's um, awful news. They were in town for a the big AAU tournament that's going on uh, for women's basketball, uh, just Incredibly incredibly sad.
0: yeah, I, I honestly had just picked that up on on Twitter and I, I I impressed that you were able to put it so succinctly, but it just heartbreaking and and again, the the hope is that Ava and and her mom and 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 siblings can can find health. I, I guess mom's still in pretty bad shape in the hospital. That's what it sounds like I think she's doing better. her little brother I think has been
1: released. I think he's fine, but the parents I knew were mm. both in critical condition for a while. I think the mom is still yeah not out of the out of the woods just yet. Oof. Yeah. Oof. Scary stuff. Um, let's go back to conference realignment real quick. I, I think I think this is an interesting exercise because I just saw Eric Crawford and Rick Bozich, they put out their lists of, you know, we're talking about what makes programs great, what makes them attractive during this conference realignment thing. And so they said, okay, let's just go ahead and rank the realignment appeal of all 14 ACC programs. We're going to do this individually mm. and then see how our answers stack up. Um, We've talked about this before. It's 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 a brand grab. It feels like so you're looking at the biggest brands pretty much in the ACC. They both had the same number one choice when it comes to most attractive, the you know, highest appeal of the programs in the ACC right now. Who do you think they said? And who would you say?
0: And I, I hate even bringing this up, but I'm assuming Notre Dame is not one of. Them. Notre Dame We're talking fine. 14. We're talking 14 teams. Fun. Yeah. Wow, it's interesting. I the first thing that popped into my head was Florida State, but I. I don't know what, what sort of recency bias can give you because it just has not been a, a good run for them if you look at the recency then then and maybe it's a it's a Clemson vote, but I I'm gonna say Miami over both of those. They both said North Carolina as number
1: one. All right. Crawford said it's the best known national brand, the number two overall media market,
0: and the most engaged of the big media markets in the ACC. Well, I'll give you two words why. Michael Jordan. I mean honestly. Jordan Brown. Let's, yeah. let's be honest. I, I guess I'm, I'm thinking so football-heavy that that from an overall standpoint, yeah, that's the best athletic department in the ACC.
1: It's why I still think like I would put just because it's it, – like, I think North Carolina's brand overall is the best in the ACC, if that's what we're talking about. If we're talking about just football – then it's got to be clemson. Clemson has to be. I mean they're the only program in recent years that has broken through that glass ceiling and gone from like hey, pretty good, tier 2 to every year we expect them to be in the playoff or right there on the outside looking in. And not only have they gotten there, you know, they haven't done the Oklahoma thing and just get there every year and lose in the semifinals. You know, they're beating Bama. They're they're yeah. beating down Ohio State. They're beating down these blue bloods of the sport and that to me makes them the most attractive option if you're looking at just realignment. But I agree with both Crawford and Bozich in saying if if it's just brand, that's brand recognizability, and that's the goal here, Carolina's probably the biggest. Now they had Miami at two. Uh, Rick Bozich had Miami at two, and uh, Crawford had them at three. They flip flopped with with two and three. They they both had Miami, Clemson in that order, just one ahead, Miami ahead of Clemson, and the other had Miami behind Clemson. So who do you think they had as number four? This is Crawford had them. They had this program at four. Bozich had them at six.
0: Oh man, you're putting me on the spot. I know. That's what we're doing. You know what's weird is I looked at the list and, and Pitt jumped out at me. But the, there's really no reason for that except I was thinking market size. Would they go Georgia Tech because of Atlanta? They would not. And this is just brand exclusive. Yes, apparently. I mean, so they're not thinking football. They're saying
1: appeal is the way that they're phrasing it
0: most appealing programs. Well, does Duke have a pull then in
1: basketball alone just to give them that that nod? Uh, they, they didn't go with Duke. They've, they've got Virginia at four. Uh, Crawford had them at four. Bozies had them at six. So I guess combined, they had the fourth highest total here. Uh, Crawford's reasoning was top academic reputation, large state university, large media reach, championship basketball, but pedestrian football. Um, I, I wouldn't have Virginia that high. I think that I, I'd have Florida State above them, again, because I think that I think their brand stronger than Virginia's. I think their football is clearly stronger than football's. I would have – I agree. Both had Florida State at four. I think I would agree more with him. I would have them at, at four at the very least. I would agree. Probably two or three if I'm doing my ranking. Now, they both had Louisville in the exact same spot. I, I take it back. One had Louisville in, in the spot where they landed up in the cumulative rankings. One had them just one spot lower. Where do you think Louisville lands on this cumulative ranking system? Seven. Six. Mm, okay. Crawford had them at six. Bozice had them at seven. I think that that's about right. I, I kind of feel like that's fair. I know we're we're homers. I can make arguments for Louisville above Virginia. I can make arguments for Louisville above so many of the schools. But if we're just talking about overall appeal, I get it's a small media market. I get that it's, you know, football has been just okay recently and, you know, less than just okay historically. I, I, six is fine. If you do wind up six in the pecking order, there's still a chance that you get a spot in one of the SEC or the Big Ten. I think that that's possible. At the very least, you're definitely guaranteed a spot in whatever that third strongest conference is going to be, whether it's the ACC holding patent adding teams or some sort of merger. Like, Louisville will be a desired commodity if that does wind up being how this whole thing plays out.
0: In greeting you with silence because I'm just considering the alternative. Debating. I mean, it's just, man, I I, I can't envision a, a place where that's not going to come to fruition but it's kind of terrifying because I as a Colorado native if you'd asked me these questions then yeah North Carolina's one Florida State Miami you know those are the programs that immediately jump to mind but I don't I don't think of Virginia growing up no I don't I I mean Ralph Sampson certainly made an impact on me but not he and Jeff Jones didn't do enough for me to to have that move the needle And, and even a I mean golly it's it's just interesting what the ability to claim you've been in the same place for since 1951, 52 can do for you. And that's where that, that's really, I, I think at the, the end of the day, that's the biggest battle Louisville is fighting because of their lack of conference identity. You know, it, it's, it's, something that, <laughs> it's something that Colorado State suffers through on a much different level because they're just not an important program, but people still don't know what the Mountain West is because it doesn't matter. Well, but people, you know, oh, is it the WAC? It's at the Mount. What, what conference are they in again? You know, it. it the it, staying power of the WAC in like the
1: collective subconscious of college sports fans is pretty impressive. I think people remember how insane those football programs were. And when they start to talk about any conference on the West Coast, that's not the Pac-12. It's like, oh, yeah. Are they in the WAC now? Boise yeah. State, right? I'm like, no. it's, not, it's Yeah. Well, that's not really around anymore.
0: Well, and you know what's interesting about that? And this is not talked about. But the Western Athletic Conference was the first conference to try the super conference route. And it didn't last. Yeah, because they, they went to sixteen teams. They added TCU. I mean, it was the the, the whack expansion was insane. But I, I, I get us off subject by doing that. I, I just, man, from a national standpoint, you know, from a we're in the ACC standpoint, I get what their perspective is. But with all due respect to those three individuals, I just don't know that that's the opinion that's gonna. I don't. I don't know if that's the true perception. I don't either. Um, so when you.
1: Like When we're debating stuff stuff like this, it's always fun. It's always probably necessary to turn to the people who make money off this. And that, in this case, is Bavada, who has come out with odds (laughs) for the next school to accept an invitation from the SEC. They put the most likely school to accept an invitation from the SEC next at S. Clemson at plus 250. They've got Miami right behind them at plus 325, and then Florida State in third. Um, Fourth on the list is Louisville. Tied with Baylor. Hmm. Both uh, both these schools are plus 500. They've got Oklahoma State at plus 600. And then Cincinnati, who is headed to the Big 12, at plus 750. The Big Ten odds are, as you might guess, Oregon and Notre Dame are tied for the, the top betting choice at plus 150. Then you've got Washington at plus 600. And then after that, kind of indicating that nobody knows, Kansas is actually the fourth choice on their betting list, which seems insane to me. Um, but... Carolina's up there. Cincinnati's also up there, which also seems insane. Arizona, Duke, Oklahoma State, Stanford, Syracuse, Cal, all getting odds. And the stipulation here is they must accept an invitation in the year of 2022 in order to cash in on this bet. If you're going to wager,
0: what? How big a mirror do you need to look into if you're betting on this? A
1: lot, <laughs> a, a, a large one. It's like the guy. I don't know if you saw the video of the guy who, who was alone at the sports book in Vegas. They took a video of him like sitting there by themse- himself with like a beer and a coffee. Betting on the Scottish Open, which kicks off at like eleven thirty PM on the East Coast. I'm like, if you're that guy, like it's
0: here's look inward. I I hate to stray too far from this, but this is something that was pointed out to me by a coworker when we were talking about Louisville winning a national title in football. And it was the the argument was we don't put revenue into football that other programs do. It's it's just different. So here's a Wall Street Journal article that talks about the 2018 value of a program, monetary value put on a program. I won't get into the numbers, but let me just read you the schools. Texas, Ohio State, Alabama, Michigan, Notre Dame, Georgia, Oklahoma, Auburn, LSU, Tennessee, Florida, Texas, A&M. Perennial blue blood powers. Penn State, Wisconsin, Nebraska, Arkansas, South Carolina, Iowa, Washington, Michigan State, Oregon. We're seeing an awful lot of the big conference names that are still thriving and surviving. Ole Miss, USC, UCLA, 23 and 24, interestingly enough. Arizona State, Clemson. At 24, 26. Jeez. This is 2018. Yeah, Florida State, Virginia Tech, Kansas State, Oklahoma State, Kentucky, Minnesota, Texas Tech, Stanford, Mississippi State, Georgia Tech, Utah, Colorado, Kansas, Cal Berkeley, Miami, which surprised me. Yeah, Texas Christian, TCU, Iowa State, Indiana, Northwestern. NC State and coming in at number 47, Louisville, ahead oh, of Arizona, Illinois, North Carolina, Maryland, Washington State, Virginia, Purdue, Oregon State, Missouri, Syracuse, Pitt. You know, you read this list, and you're thinking to yourself, there's the possibility that only 40 of those programs are going to be involved in this new conference. Yeah, that seems nuts. Like, I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think it's going to be 40, because you can make more money when there's 60. That does seem nuts. I—, I... Staggering numbers. I don't know what to say
1: about that. Um, man, yeah. Let's go to the Thornton text line here. 502-414-1450. Uh, Texas says just well, this is perfect. I had I had not looked at this text before I started reading. Just getting a chance to tune in. Have you talked about Eric Crawford and Rick uh, Eric Crawford b- Bavada odds yet for L slash the SEC? <laughs> Quite surprising for me to see that. Uh, who and who was not on that list? Yeah, it is surprising. It's. I mean, hell, all of this is surprising.
0: Is this something you want? If that if if, if it means survival, obviously we want it but but if it let, let's say it's the alternatives are joining the SEC or some level of Pac-12 Big 12 ACC merger that creates a 20 team league that Louisville's a part of
1: I think you have to say SEC in that scenario if if it's if it's joining the SEC versus the ACC staying as it is and the Big 12 staying as it is with yeah. the newcomers then I think you choose like just the Things remaining the same. But you're right. Like It's impossible to make that decision without survival coming into play. Because like, that's the main reason why you want to be in the conference right now. I, I think even the members of the SEC and the Big Ten they probably would prefer it not to be a 2010... Nobody wants this. Like like Very few people <laughs> want this to happen. It's like when they hmm. tried to do that Super League in soccer and the fans like revolted and it got shot down in the span of 48 hours. Nobody wants this. But people will accept it because it's better to be safe than it is to be looking down the barrel of a future that is very, very uh, unsteady, and uh, unsure. And that's kind of where Louisville is right now. And it's where, quite frankly, everybody is who's not in one of those conferences right now, who's not one of those 32 teams. It's it's all about survival at this point, which sucks because we don't even know if that's something that we want to survive in. Like, do you even want to really exist in that super conference world where who knows how the scheduling is going to work out? Who knows how the yeah. the, the the conference championship game is going to work out? Who knows what the playoffs going to look like after all this is said and done? We just... There's so much that we don't know, and everybody is so desperate to just make sure that they're going to keep their dollars protected and their brands protected that it's a mad scramble. And hopefully it's one of those like deals where it's an old-school bank rush and the cooler heads will prevail, but uh,
0: life doesn't work like that. Well, the, the irony of all of this chaos just coinciding with Louisville getting stability of joining the ACC yeah. just is really disappointing. It does. It, it, it's, it's not cool. Uh,
1: Texas, you can't make any argument for Lou over Virginia. Well, yeah, you can. Wins and losses. I mean, in football. We've been better than them in football historically. And that's, I mean, at least historically as far as like the last 25 years. We are more of a na- known
0: brand than they are nationally in football. I did chuckle a little bit. At, it I think it was Eric Crawford that mentioned academics.
1: Yeah. But, There's some debate about like Matt, come on. Matt McGavick was kind of saying the same thing on, on uh, Wednesday when he was in here. You think academics are, are going to come more into play than a lot of people are taking them into account for i think maybe in the big 10 because the big 10 does sort yeah. of hold on to that hoity-toity you yeah. know we are it's it's about the way that things were back in 1930 the sec no if, if it's going to benefit the sec monetarily they're going to take whoever they want to take they'll take you know uh, ypsilanti prep a school that doesn't actually exist They'll take the fake school in money base's dad created <laughs> if, if it means it's going to make them money so like i don't buy that at all but it certainly was something that came into to play when we were talked about as, as joining the ACC. Yeah. And in the end, the ACC chose wins, losses, and money over academic standing. And it's not like it's not like the U.S. News World Report rankings for the other ACC schools has plummeted because they've been yeah. loosely associated with we, Louisville. We moved
0: into the neighborhood.
1: You know, we cost Duke the top spot from Harvard. I mean, <laughs> they're still a top 10 school in, in America. North Carolina is still way up there. Wake, Virginia, they're still all way up there. And that's not going to change. And the notion that it was going to—it's, you know—it's it, ridiculous. Like you invited that dirty person over for dinner. You've tainted us <laughs> I all. I mean, like, our social standing has been irreparably damaged. Shut I, but, up. But that that was the mindset. It was, which is ah. absurd. Th- this is sports.
0: Well, that's the thing.
1: Let's not act like student athlete is one of the most bogus terms ever created. Let's uh, not act like this is at all about academics. This is about athletics. It's about wins and losses. It's about money. And at the end of the day. That's how these decisions should be made. And it's how they will be. The Big 10 won't take a school just because of academic prowess. No. They're not adding Yale. No. They're going to add a school that that correctly balances academics and athletics.
0: Yeah, why didn't they add Stanford and Cal? Exactly. I mean, and, and of course we all remember every time that there's a, you know, an upset in the NCAA basketball tournament everybody's like, "Oh, this this upset's really exciting, uh, but it's tainted by the fact that St. Peter's just isn't the academic institution that it should be." No, oh, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Get out of my face. Ridiculous. Uh,
1: Texas I was at the Bats game last night. The right fielder for Iowa had a ball go between his legs. Then he threw to first base when the runner was already past second because the cutoff man didn't get into position. Triple A players making stupid fundamental mistakes that I've never seen under Dan McDonald. The point is, Dan McDonald's a great coach, and that caller uh, needs to STFU. Sorry, another rant. I can meet up with that texter if
0: needed. <laughs> there you go. You know, I'm, I'm thinking um, Cole Sturgeon's in town. Is he with the uh, Iowa Cubs? Um, well, it was with was with the Saints. Oh, that's right, uh, Saint Paul Saints. Saint Paul was in, and I, I'm now I'm having to dig in and look at that because I'm trying to look at a box score and see. But yeah, I'm pretty sure that uh, Cole got released uh, by the Red Sox. He was a Double A, Triple A lifer for the Red Sox. Had a really good pro career. Had a lot of opportunities in uh, in. Uh, in spring training and then got released, did some TV for Louisville and the ACC Network and then got picked up by the Twins. And I, I'm pretty sure he's he's uh, he's with the club. I'll try to find a box score to confirm that. We love Cole Sturgeon on the show.
1: Um, Texas, I actually compared Dan McDonald to uh, more of a Tom Izzo. So would you fire Izzo after all those Final Fours? I would say no. Well, no. You're not firing Tom Izzo. Um, and he's also, Izzo's won a national title. But like I've said many times, Kenyon Martin breaking his leg. Gave him his only national title. If not, Bob Huggins has the title, and, and Izzo's mm. the greatest to have never won it. Man, Kmart was good. He was so good. Um, Texas. What's Sean's opinion on Arby's?
0: Oh, oh Wow, I'm really <laughs> glad TK's not here for this. I. Uh, so Arby's used to have a five for five fifty five deal on their sandwiches. Growing up as a kid, and then there were times where that that was a sensible, you know, that was that was a sensible meal. It worked. And so we we did that – I don't want to say frequently. We did it periodically because, economically speaking, it was a good move. And I I, I enjoy a a roast beef sandwich. I'm to a point now in my lifetime where I will get a Arby's roast beef sandwich (laughs) once every seven years just for the sake of having it. And please don't hate me, Arby's. I haven't been to Arby's in 15 years. And there was a running joke on one of our road trips with baseball. In fact, it was coming back from – I think it was coming back from the conference tournament in Charlotte that we were a car full of people were deciding where we want to eat, and they always know that the whole Arby's story that I've given. And every time we'd look at an exit to see what was there, there was an Arby's. Every single one. Now, TK, I will say this: the new burger. I will go to Arby's. I will try the burger because I love a good burger. Not a fan. Sorry, just not. Just not a fan. And I try not. To, I really try not. Despite my appearance, I try not to eat a lot of fast food. So I I I'll get the you know the breakfast sandwich periodically, but I'm not a not a big fast You're food fine. person.
1: Look, if we were gonna get the as a sponsor, we'd have had them a long time ago. We've <laughs> done everything we
0: possibly can.
1: They've they've resisted. It's not happening anytime soon. All right, we got to get out of here for the end of the second hour. We, we'll be back. We got uh, 25 more minutes coming up after the break. We'll dive into all the more ma- madness of this Friday. Hopefully your weekend is off and running now. Here, thanks for tuning in and spending some time with us here on 1450 The Big X. This is the Mike Rutherford Show on the Big S. Told me, boy, wants, Welcome back in. Final, I guess, segment here of the Mike Rutherford Show for the week. We'll be out of here at 525 today to hand the baton off to the Cardinal Insider and Jody Demling. And then Louisville Bats Baseball coming your way. Coverage starting at 635. First pitch at 705 out there at Slugger Field. Make it out if you can. I think maybe the weather's going to hold off check our radar make sure i don't take me i'm not a meteorologist not mark weinberg but check a radar before you head out there. But if you can, make it up to the ballpark. Uh, again, we need this rain, so it's okay. We've got Shaw Moth in studio here. We've been having a lot of fun these last couple of days. We've been taking your thoughts on the Thornton's tax line. We've had a lot of uh, talk about conference realignment. We've had a lot of talk about Louisville baseball. Uh, it is the MLB draft coming up. I know that Dalton Rushing is a guy that has been talked about as potentially being able to hear his name called. Uh, we'll see what happens there. Who else should we keep an eye on? I guess this uh, when the MLB draft gets going as far as, like, cards who are eligible to be drafted
0: this year i you know ben matzinger is probably gonna get his name called he's just versatile enough and and is toolsy enough as they like to say i, I don't know if i'm a big league team i i wouldn't hate having levi usher playing center field for me uh, i think cam masterman has certainly done enough things with his bat to, to bow to look jared poland's definitely going to get a look uh, i think michael prosecki probably of the pitchers is the most likely garrett schmeltz kind of one of the under the radar guys and part of this is because he had a big summer in the cape cod league and if you have a good year in the Cape, that's a lot of times enough with a wood bat league and enough scouts up there that get to see you, to to see that you maybe have a chance to to move forward. And then from there, you just you don't know Carter Loman Ryan Hawks, um, and a few other guys that could maybe get a look. But for for the most part, that's it. And with Dalton, it's going to be interesting. He plays a premium position. Will Smith and and Henry Davis's performances haven't hurt his stock in terms of people knowing that. The catchers coming out of Louisville do a pretty decent job. So I I wouldn't be shocked to hear his his name called in the top 40 or 50 picks, if not earlier than that. I could could see him being one of those dark horse first-round guys. I mean, the guy had 23 home runs. He had 50 walks. Uh, got 20 HBP's, 58 strikeouts, and his catch and throw really improved over the course of his career. As he turned into a pretty good catcher. I should have mentioned this earlier when we were
1: talking about the bats too. It is a it's River Frogs night at the ballpark. Oh, Heart. that's right. They're wearing the the old school of River Frogs, the the hockey league team that was here for so long. They're wearing those jerseys. They're calling it the Romp in the Swamp tonight, mm. and they have a starting lineup. If you're a Reds fan, that you'll recognize the the first three names in the order tonight. You got Jose Barrero, uh, future probably shortstop for the Reds. You've got Tyler Stevenson starting his rehab stint, and then you got Mac. Schrock batting third. So uh, again, a lot of reasons, assuming the weather is going to hold off to make it out to the ballpark. But if you can't, you can catch all the action right here. On Big X Sports Radio, uh, you weren't. I guess you weren't around. I think the River Frogs were probably had bounced by the time you arrived in town.
0: I was not. I got here, and I think my first year, the Louisville Panthers were here, which was. That's a right. I kind about the Panthers. Very curious ownership scenario. <laughs> um, they were an AHL team, which is basically AAA. And actually, uh, because I missed hockey, and because I used to actually do this, I, I sang the national anthem. Uh, at a river or a, or a Panthers game in nice. Freedom Hall. It was very awkward though. I, I sang the anthem at a Nuggets and Avalanche game while I was working. and I actually made sure it was a Canadian team so I could sing both cuz I love the Canadian anthem, but when I sang it here in town, it was very off-putting and I didn't know how it was going to work cuz I didn't know when to sing cuz I'd always introduce myself like I knew the timing, like I was now please join me in performing the national anthem and I'd walk out on the ice or walk out on the court and sing and so it was very weird, but it was also disconcerting having sat between the penalty boxes for four years at the red line, watching NHL hockey at real high level, and watching AHL. It was a bit of a struggle, but I made it through. By the way, a couple of things: Cole Sturgeon uh, sent down to the Wichita Wind Surge in the uh, the Twins system, so he's in Double A. He was in Triple A earlier this year, so gotcha. you will not see Cole out there. And I need to ask you, did you ever see Beverly Hills Cop? I I, I know I, still T- it. I know TK still got unwashed. the slap shot, I know. So I was very proud of that.
1: I actually almost watched it one time and I can't remember what happened. I don't know if I I didn't have the the login set up for whatever streaming mm. service it's on or whatever. Something held me back because I was like, I've got nothing else to watch. I'm gonna give it a shot. I will do it at some point. All right. Because he finally watched Slapshot. I'm gonna have to watch Beverly Hills Cop. And it's not like I'm actively against it. No, I just have never seen
0: it. Totally get it. And the and the fi- it's a generational thing too. Finally, Glenn O. Rutherford and Glenville on Twitter is just been phenomenal killing it. and it is loving it. it is amazing if you have any interest you really need to follow along and I've told I've told Mike off the air I'm just going to throw it out there on air I'm challenging Glenn, Mike this talented family of writers to put together the 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 Glenville Chronicles and and short stories, <laughs> a collection of short stories, because I'm I'm seeing the imagination from Glenn O. Rutherford with the with just the the small paragraphs, the small sentences describing the various scenes around Glenville. I'm I'm looking forward to a short story collection that's going to be a bestseller. So I'm, I, please.
1: Somebody's gonna have to talk to Dad. I'm not sure if hobos is the preferred nomenclature anymore. He uses hobos pretty frequently as far as the a lot of hobos in Glenville. Um, I, I don't know if that would fly. I guess maybe if this is he says it's always set between nineteen thirty nine and nineteen fifty six. It, it feels so very I guess that counts. it
0: feels very Woody Guthrie. Absolutely. <laughs> it, it very much does. And I and I think that is perfectly accurate for the for the time. And there's you know I'm embarrassed that I'm even saying that I know this, but I just because Angie's family, my wife's family from Iowa, we were in Iowa, and there was a, a a tacker up on the wall promoting the Hobo Festival. Oh, no. Nice. there is an annual Hobo Festival in Iowa, so <laughs> it is. I don't know. I don't know where it lands on the PC spectrum, but I think I think it's okay. Oh my gosh! But follow follow Glenn, and I'm looking. I wanted. I want to read. I want to proofread.
1: He'll the, love
0: it. These short story, the chronicles.
1: If anybody ever wants to come see Glenville, trust me, my dad would uh, welcome you with open arms. He'll take you down there. He'll show you everything you want to see. That's uh, that's. A guarantee. 502-414-1450 is the Thornton sex line. We'll try to get to as many of these as we can before we get out of here. Uh, Texas says, Mike, there's a topic you need to address for the fan base. A segment of the Tom Jurch fan base is now claiming that Vince Tyra sabotaged Bobby's final season and that it wasn't his fault for the collapse. That completely ignores Bobby's terrible recruiting on defense and the line. Uh, it ignores the issues that, there were, that were there before the 2018 season and the, that Lamar covered up. I didn't realize this was a thing that—I mean— I thought that the the Tom Jurch fan club, I, I thought that that was going to be a thing that disappeared when Josh Hurd got the job officially as far as like the people who are going around and who are, are making cases for all this stuff. But I guess it's still a thing. Um, as far as Vince sabotaging Bobby's final season, I can't imagine that that's the case. I'll never... like The 2018 Louisville football season will always be one of the more fascinating campaigns in my eyes for a variety of reasons just because... I know that 2017 didn't go exactly how we wanted it to. That team was still 8-4. Like they, they, I know they had Lamar Jackson, but they were not a one-man show. You know, He covered up a lot. Don't get me wrong. Oh, yeah. But they were good enough that they should not have fallen off the face of the earth from one season to the next. And to go 2-10, and to go 0-8 in the ACC, to become the first Power 5 conference defense to give up more than 50 points in five straight games, it has to be an all-systems failure. It wasn't just one thing. Do I think Bobby quit a little bit in the middle of the year? Yeah. Do I think the players quit a little bit in the middle of the year? Yeah. Do I think that there was some, you know, just dysfunction behind the scenes? Yeah. Do I know exactly how or why this took place? No. Like, it will never make sense to me that that team was that bad. They got to a point from, you know, going into the year – hey, we may be even better with the old traditional offense without Lamar. And worst case scenario, we're going to be like a 7-5, and 8-4 and four team again. We'll see. We hope to be even better. I mean, it wasn't just Louisville fans saying this. That was the national expectation for that team. And then to be one of the worst Louisville teams of my lifetime, if not the worst team of my lifetime, it just still makes makes no sense. But I'm not going to sit here and say that, that Vince Tyree was actively sabotaging Bobby. It, it wouldn't work in his best interest. It seems like a
0: really poor choice.
1: It would be. A t- yeah. And if that was what he was doing, it didn't work out well in the, in the long run. It just – he had nothing to gain from that. You can say maybe he just didn't like Bobby. They wanted him out. I mean, I, you could – fired him if you wanted to. I mean, I'm sure you
0: could have found a reason. You, you have the legal background, you know, with your law school resume and that. but. I, I've never understood, and I, you have to understand, too, that I, I always got along with Bobby. He and I never had a problem. I, I I respected him in his first stint and his second stint. It was what it was. I never understood how you couldn't legally fight that he could be fired with, it, with cause. As an employee that signed a one-year contract every year yeah. of the athletic department as a state employee – how that lack of consideration, effort, et cetera, when all this stuff came out about recruiting and the the relationships and the closed doors. To me, there's ways to be fired with cause that would have gotten you out of the, the the payout, the buyout. And I I don't understand the legal system well enough to know why that wouldn't be a case. Because it sure seemed like, as you said, down the stretch there was no desire to make things a success. But I the yeah, sabotage yeah come on i don't i don't buy that either
1: Texas at the rose bowl this year a ucla player sat in front of us and told me that he wished he could see a crowd like the one utah and osu had that day yeah i mean that's ucla and usd not exactly breaking the bank when it comes to attendance like that's it's it's all about the brands and i guess the brands were strong enough that the big 10 thought it was time to take take uh, a jump. I, I it doesn't make sense to me well but, who and
0: who's been in la it's not it's not conducive no to going to games anywhere no it's not and i don't i don't know from a gate standpoint how any of the teams draw outside of when the lakers are firing on all cylinders i, I really don't I, I i'd be curious to see i mean I, the rams I went, aren't exactly a hot ticket even though they're I, winning super bowls i went to college north of la for 2 years and i mean it it's a disaster driving anywhere getting from point a to point b is an absolute nightmare so to plan your day around a football game not to mention that I'm sure a lot of people that go to school there don't want to stay there. Yeah,
1: for sure. Texas, Nate Robinson is actually the most famous Washington Husky football Mm. player. (laughs) What about Marcus Tuiassovo? Steve Entman, number one pick in the draft. There you go. Well, Jake Locker. Texas, as far as you doing the all right, all right, all right, I'm okay with it. It lets me know the show has started. I thought it was funny that it hadn't been brought up before, the Matthew Mm. McConaughey comparison. Texas, I like the all right, all right, all right. Texas, I like the all right, all right. There you go. Agreed. Three people, that's enough. I'm good with it. Texas was Josh heard at U of L when Tom got us into the ACC. If so, does that make you a little more comfortable with conference realignment since he saw how Tom was able to approach it and get us into a top conference? Uh, One, I believe he was at U of L when Louisville got into the ACC Two, not necessarily just because kind of like Sean and I were talking about yesterday, this situation is so different than the one Tom was faced both when Louisville made the move to the big East. And I mean, when Louisville was trying to get to the big 12 and when they ultimately got into the ACC, those like the repercussions, the goal, the, who your competition was, the, what you were trying to sell was all so clear. And in this case, everything's murky, you know, is who's interested in you is the SEC saying, yeah, we're talking, we're you're, you're on a short list. Like this is what you have to show us though. This is what you have to tell us to, to put you over Virginia or over whoever. Probably not. Like you probably don't know. Like, everybody's playing their cards pretty close to the vest, I would guess. And for Josh, that means, a whole lot of kind of sitting and waiting and talking to as many people as you possibly can, just to try to figure out what the landscape is. But it's not as cut and dry as it was when Tom was saying, "Hey, here's why the ACC needs to take us over to UConn." That was pretty straightforward.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think we we discussed it in like that. You said it as well as I could. I, I just uh, maybe the plan right now is that you go to Big Ten commissioner, SEC commissioner, and make your case. But outside of that, I don't know, and I don't know if. If it comes back to you that you were doing that and the ACC decides to expand and they decide they don't want you anymore, I I have no idea. It's just not – it is not as clear cut. It all sucks. I mean, it
1: it just does. (laughs) It it, it just does. Uh, Pete Thamel, there's been a lot of talk about, I guess, in the last 24 hours or so. Pete Thamel wrote about this. um, John Wilner wrote about this, sort of saying as much universal criticism as it's gotten, as much as people may have made fun of it, this – a loose partnership between the Pac-12 and, and the ACC could actually work. It, it could actually be beneficial. The one thing holding it back is that it has to prove its value in terms of TV dollars, and that may be a difficult sell, especially when you know, the Big Ten is reportedly going to get like a billion-dollar deal. The SEC is going to demand a high; well, it already is demanding a significant amount of money. And if you, if it was just the ACC and the Pac-12 doing this, the Big 12 could potentially still be, you know, at least on par or Slightly above you. So we'll see. But the fact that people are taking this seriously, I don't know if it's like, if it's encouraging. Like, I clearly was skeptical of it. If it was an ACC Pac 12 hybrid that included the Pac 10, whatever, the 10 teams as is, and like the 10 best from the ACC, I think then it could potentially work. But is it going to be like an actual conference or is it just going to be something that you do to try to strengthen your profile for the potential college football playoff selection committee? We're, we're we're too scant we're, we're too scarce on details for me to really, I think know how to feel about it. So at that point, I'm just going to make fun of it, which is <laughs> what I've oh, been doing.
0: And ultimately, it just it ends up in Fox and ESPN hands. It, it really
1: does, which which sucks. Um, people have been talking about, and this will count as your DJ Wagner update of the day. Mm. Uh, what Kenny Payne's been doing because we don't, we don't get the song. We don't get the. Gary's <laughs> out of here. So people have been saying, well, what what is Kenny Payne actually doing because Nolan Smith's in Spain where DJ Wagner is. Danny Manning's in Spain. John Calipari's in Spain. Where's Kenny Payne? Kenny Payne is in Kansas City, if you want to know. He spent all Thursday at the uh, Nike EYBL event that was taking place at the Hyvie Arena. Jody Demling of Cardinal Authority had a good breakdown of the, the players that he was watching. The name that was, I guess, on top of that list, and this is a, a name that I want just because it's, it's a player who's Top five player in the class of 2023, but I want him because his name is Mookie Cook.
0: Mm. And I like
1: being able to scream Mookie, both in celebration and in anger. Mookie! Mm. Mookie! Mookie! Uh, He formerly was committed to Oregon. He now is, quote, 100% open. He's decommitted there. He's talked about Arizona, Duke, Kentucky, and still Oregon as the schools that have been the most after him. But now Kenny Payne getting involved here. Uh, other Louisville fans have said maybe this is not a good sign as far as the DJ Wagner front goes I mean let's you don't have to jump to that conclusion we're recruiting there's more than enough room for two top five guards Kentucky's still recruiting DJ Wagner they've got Robert Dillingham he's a top five guard Um, we've got Caleb Glenn who by the way is playing in this tournament in Kansas City he went two for seven from the field yesterday and had five points four rebounds and five turnovers in a Mm. loss Um, but There are two other Kentucky high school stars that Kenny Payne was looking at. Jacob Meyer, who had been a WKU commit, and also um, Reese Potter, who's a big man from Lexington Catholic. So Payne, looking at all those guys, looking at some of the other big players in the class, that's what he's doing. For all the questions about, you know, is he just sitting at home playing video games while DJ Wagner goes to get to— No, he's, he's, (laughs) he's, he's out there in Kansas City. He's recruiting. He's doing his thing, and he's trusting Nolan Smith and Danny Manning to represent UofL well in Spain, which I'm sure they are. So there it is. Uh, DJ Wagner update of the day. Texas said that used to be a hobo for
0: Halloween. Oh, I did that once. Did you really? Oh, yeah. That's <laughs> a cheap costume, you know. <laughs> you just got the most raggedy stuff in the family owned and called it good.
1: Texas says, interesting piece on KRC today. They mentioned how you keep saying that UK will blow up the Kobe Keenum commitment. If he picks UK, he's going to, and they will. While true, didn't Louisville media hype up his recruitment originally? When he changed his dates, I saw people saying that Lou eats first now because he's visiting you all. Uh, your thoughts. I mean, I saw a little bit of that. I I, I didn't I, – Kobe Keenum is not a name that I think the average Louisville fan has been, like, going nuts over, like Pierce Clarkson has. I think there was a segment of the Louisville media, fan media, that was saying, you know, he's he, had, he was originally scheduled to go to Lexington on June 17th. He bumped that. Now he's going to Louisville. It's the big recruiting weekend. He's here with Pierce Clarkson and the boys and all that, you know, that group. And he went to, I think, Lexington, like, five days later. Um, so there's a little bit of back and forth there and I think that's why it's probably going to get blown up because this was very clearly a guy that UofL wanted I'm not going to try to act like they, they didn't UofL wanted him, UK wanted him UK reportedly is going to get him having said that, he's like a I think a top 900 player in the class overall he's ranked lower than the two offensive linemen commits that UofL already has and he's ranked lower than the one that Louisville's probably going to get coming up here in three days when Madden Sanker announces where he's going to go Again, Louisville wanted him. They're not happy that they're losing him to Kentucky. I'm just saying that UK is going to make this a bigger deal than they would ordinarily because they've seen the stories out there about we're not getting the guys we used to because of NIL, and they also see what Louisville's doing, and that's frustrated a segment of their fan base. And basically I'm just saying expect a whole bunch of celebratory typo tweets with from Vince Merrill over the weekend. That's what's going to happen. A lot, of, a lot of misspelled words, a lot of excitement, a lot of all caps, a lot of thinly veiled shots at Louisville. And is it a big deal for them? Sure, but they're going to act like this is their Ruben Owens, and
0: you know he's not. He's good. You, you, he's not dro- that good. you drop the mic with that. That's it's good. Fine. I will not add. That's uh, perfect.
1: Speaking of Ruben Owens, one other thing that I wanted to get to on that front is the the kid. He keeps showing up to events wearing Louisville gear. He, you know, he. I don't even know. I think he's at like a seven on seven thing right now, where he's rocking. U of L gloves, U of L socks, like all this U of L stuff. He got a 502 tattoo for God's sake, and yet, not just fans, but recruiting experts continue to to write about. Well, we'll see if he signs with Louisville. <laughs> and I, I guess it's just because we're talking about Louisville and we're talking about Texas schools. If this were anybody else, and the kid had gotten the the Louisville area code tattooed on himself, you'd be like, well, yeah, he's very invested. But in the latest rivals, um, like like I guess whip around thing that they do Justin Taines writes about he's a national recruiting director over at rivals uh, and he did like the you know, big latest stories on the 2023 class and he talks about how reuben owens when it first got out there that he was going to commit to louisville a lot of people were skeptical they didn't believe it but now nil era anything can happen uh credit to the louisville staff and then he ends the, the little the little blurb with this there were some close to him that said owens wouldn't pick louisville but he did the longhorns the aggies and the others are not going to give up though if he ends up at Louisville, he could have an immediate impact. But call me skeptical with months to go before it becomes official. Kid's got a tattoo. He's got a tattoo.
0: <laughs> How distinct is the zero on the tattoo? We've di- we've, I've discussed this. I, I I went into it.
1: You could potentially turn it into an eight if you wanted to. So we Googled what the 582 area code is. State of Vermont. We're good. We're good.
0: You know what Austin is?
1: It's, fi- it's like 512 or something. Correct. Yes. But you can't. because we have talked about this you can't turn a (laughs) zero into a one you can't do that at all this is not binary it can't happen tastefully Mm. there's no area code that 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 is in texas that could potentially be altered he would have to like just black it all out and just go over top he'd have to get it removed and i don't think he's going to do it he's an 18 year old kid i i remain (laughs) look is it possible that he signs with a&m or texas or tcu or somebody else sure but at the end of the day, he's giving us nothing to indicate that he's anything less than 100% committed to Louisville. It's a tattoo, for God's sake. Bellarmine doesn't have football, so I mean, come on. He's not gay. He's not. <laughs> Spalding? What are you doing? We'll see. Uh, Texas says, as a fellow Reds fan, are we closer to winning a playoff series or landing the number one spot in the draft every Ooh. year for the next next five years? You know the answer to that. It's, it's the yeah. latter. I, I mean, you've got young talent. I feel good. I mean, Nick Lodolo looks fantastic. I think Hunter Green, if he stops throwing the ball right over the middle of the plate, is going to be very good. I feel good about the pitching staff. I feel good about Jonathan India. I like Tyler Stevenson. I like some of the young guys we have. I like that we have draft picks locked up for years because of the money dump. I don't trust the leadership at all to be smart and do the right things. That's that's the difference between everybody's like, well, we're doing the raise thing. We're doing the, you know, we're playing for the future. Yeah, they've got smart people in their management. We have the Castellanis. Sell with team, Bob.
0: Well, and it feels like in in Major League Baseball that the, the, the key to winning, if you're not one of the huge market teams like the Dodgers or Yankees that just buys everybody, is that you scout well enough so that when pitchers that are young and promising finish up their first contract and they're maybe not as good as the people thought they were, you sign them and somehow have the coaching to evolve them into a better pitcher than they are. But if, yeah. if you can't pitch, you can't win. I, I feel bad. I, I remember one of my coworkers, just when, when Griffey signed, just talking. I was like, does he pitch? <laughs> I mean, I look, I think Ken Griffey Jr. is <sighs> maybe the most underrated player in the history of Major League Baseball, but you you got to pitch. You do. It
1: sucks. Um, last text that we have time for today. It says, scrap the ACC, Big 12, and the Pac-12 and take the 16 to 20 best programs of those three conferences and make it the third super conference out of it. I think it's a possibility. Like it could happen. You'd have to come. I mean, but again, there's a lot of who's going to give in, who's going to be the commissioner of this conference, who's going to give up their money, who's going to give up their employment. It's just TV. It'd be a big mess. It'd be a a big big mess. Texas says hashtag where are you going to go? Yeah,
0: mm. how'd that work
1: out for you, Phil? Uh, real quickly, what's the moth family up to this uh, this weekend? Any big plans?
0: Wow, no big plans. This Not at all. The best kind of plans. Tonight. Yeah, uh, everybody,
1: everybody. I mean, just. I want no plans. I want want to just hang out. You're the same? Try to rest. I think, yeah, Mary's got a dinner tonight. My mom's going to come over and help watch the kids. Uh, I haven't been feeling that great, so I'm going to try to rest as much as possible. Uh, Take it easy tomorrow, hopefully, and and be back and ready to go on Monday. It'll be fun. Uh, Everybody have a fantastic weekend. Stay dry out there. Stay cool out there. We'll see you guys Monday right here at 3 o'clock. I'm
0: going to use it Intention. I feel